seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. One last one before the holidays. Hooray. Hey, hello. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome. And welcome. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Post Credits, our um, live show that we do that is live on Saturday nights. The Lively Night Week Show. The Weekly Nightly Live Week Night Show. The Lively Daily Nightly Weekly Show For weekends. <laughs> that's our motto <laughs> just one third of weekends though yeah um hi my name is dry Archuleta, joined today by e hello and robbie hey um i'm just gonna talk about a, a couple things i did uh this week of entertainment uh just get that out of the way because i don't want to talk too terribly much about them they're both disney related so <laughs> he did a front flip i did no i didn't um went and saw the stage play of the lion king which I noticed in the description, there's a typo in that, so that's dumb. With the loin clink. The Lion King at. <laughs> stage at. Don't know how that happened. <laughs> Stat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very impressive. I have been pretty vocal about my dislike of old Disney cartoons, and especially Lion King not being my favorite in any way whatsoever. Um, it was good. Like, it's better than the cartoon, I would say, in every way. Um, better than the live action? Yes. Okay. Yes, this is better than the quote-unquote live action one. Um, it was just fun and like impressive in a lot of ways. It did things visually that I have never seen or even thought could be done on a stage. Uh, really cool interactivity with like the audience and stuff like that. That was super fun. Like I imagine Fossa if... goes up to you and like Simba. No, no, not quite. <laughs> um, but like they're like people with giant costumes like wandering through the audience like in the middle of everything. Um, we had really great seats, honestly, also, so that probably helped as well, but it was a really good time. Yeah. Um, somebody like walked up with some mysterious liquid on their thumb and wiped it on your forehead and said, Simba, that was in the parking lot. (laughs) Yeah, that was in the parking lot. And that was extremely worrying because they were just wearing a trash bag. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I was into it still, like really got me in the mood for liking, (laughs) uh, no, but like it was, it was cool. I think the person who played Rafiki, the woman who did, was extremely impressive when it came to singing. Mm. Um, I've never heard like African style singing ever, or especially live. And it's like it's not music that's like in the movie because there's tons and tons and tons of music that's not in the movies in the stage I mean, play. Yeah, it's a music. It's like a true musical at that point, right? Well, it's almost instrumental with how it is. Um, Like, there's a couple songs in there that have lyrics that aren't in the stage play. Um, But a lot of it's just, like, a ton of just, like, the orchestra. And then, like, the two guys on the sides playing bongos and all kinds of different things and the singing. And it's really cool. It's honestly, like, a really cool play. It's an hour longer than the movie. So there's quite a bit of added into there, actually. And, like character development <laughs> which is weird to say but it is um Do you get the teenage simba you get kid simba and adult simba okay so not the middle point uh, i didn't know there was a middle point simba 
Technically, no, there I'm is. Say, I'm asking if they added that. You said they were adding stuff. That's why I was asking. Oh, if, like, no, no. A new no element. Teenage Simba, Because no. that's part of the part I kind of would like about to know about Lion King. Oh, it was they like, technically made that a movie. It was Lion King one and a half. They don't like go that much into that. And that's also just kind of Timon and Puma watch the first Lion King again. Nostalgia, yeah. I love that. But like, it, I don't know <laughs> if I'd hesitate if I would ever say it's like that good. <laughs> right. And that's fair. Um, but yeah, it was it was super fun. If like I was a ten year old who already loved Lion King, I imagine this would blow my fucking mind as a ten year old. Because you there never was... loved Lion King, you hated it. Since I you actually were born. have never loved Lion King, but there were like parts in this where I was like, "Wow!" Like audibly out loud, like this is extremely and then incredible. The, other, the person next year was like, "Shh." Uh, yeah, it was Liz though, so that was kind of weird. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. And then the other thing is. Liz and I went and saw Spider-Man, which uh, I won't say a lot on it because it's still new. It's extremely new. It's also breaking like every record for theaters. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, give Disney all the money. Um, and Sony actually, Disney doesn't get Sony deserves it more than Disney, I would say. But at the same time, yeah, still it's still two giant corporations. Like it's not necessarily that. I'm just like, oh, because like, oh, okay. Disney broke another office, box office barrier. Wow. Yeah, like, um, I have actually not seen a theater that full and have that many showtimes for a movie since Endgame. Endgame. Um, and from the sounds of it, this is breaking opening night stuff for what Endgame did, even. Wow. Um, there were, like, 30 different showings at the theater we went to for it. Uh, and they were all almost entirely sold out. We literally had to go to the theater to buy tickets because the app was crashed all day. It, you, it put it would put you in a line to buy tickets for a movie. Jesus. Yeah, it was it was insane. Um, but yeah, it's quite easily in my mind the best Spider Man. Um, and it is top three Marvel movies. Uh, it's good. Is good. I can't say a lot because it's huge spoilers. Yeah. The only thing I can say is be caught up on everything MCU. See, this is where it's failing me because I don't care enough about the rest of the MCU. Yeah, that that was where it might hurt you. But again, I do think this is the most Spider-Man story that they've done. Also, that that's my thing. Is like I I still genuinely love Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man is easily my favorite superhero. Yeah. Um, which is kind of why I was gonna getting upset where they were going, where they were like getting less about Spider-Man and more about everyone around Spider-Man. Yeah. Which like time and place, of course, like, I don't know. I, I, again, I haven't seen, I haven't seen this movie yet, so I don't know what it does. Yeah. I'm hoping it's Spider-Man, but even if it's not, I still have Spider-Verse to scratch that itch for me anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That's there still. Um, so I'll probably watch Spider-Verse two uh, a month after it comes out. Spider-Verse 2 yeah. a month after it comes out? Why wouldn't you like watch it right away? I don't I'm not sure I'm ready to be in a crowded theater again. Fair enough. Honestly. Also, probably doesn't want to wait in line in an app to buy a ticket. No, I mean if I go, it's because either Jariah or my parents are like, hey E, you want to watch Spider-Verse? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was surprised they didn't invite me to this one, but it sounded very last last minute, anyhow. It it was. It was literally like two minutes before showtime I was like Liz you want to try and get in here somewhere and thankfully she's 
knows how I am, and she probably expected this. She's like, I already got my shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'll eventually watch it. I I have heard very high praises. Yeah. Um, from people who really like Marvel a ton, and uh, very good praises from people who don't really like Marvel a whole ton. Yeah, it did some things that I am extremely happy it did. And it has a long runtime. I'm not going to lie to you. It has an extremely long runtime. But it it earns it. Okay. Honestly, it needed the runtime. It's two and a half hours. But it, okay, needed, it needed that runtime. You say the long runtime. I thought you were going to tell me it's like three and a half hours. No, no, no. I, it, actually, it could have gotten to that, honestly. God, I would hate that. Uh, Sam says in chat, fuck Disney. You're right. Fuck Disney. Fuck Disney for sure. Um, I just gave them all my money this weekend, though. So... <laughs> Uh, unlike Jiraiya, I'm not a shill. Uh, <laughs> I am not a shill. Anyway, today's show is sponsored by Disney. No. Disney seen it specifically. <laughs> uh, I don't think you can even joke about that. Uh, I think Disney yeah, they don't sell you. that anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Honestly, if if you are able to and you are a Marvel fan, this is unmissable. I can't wait to watch it and constantly ask Jiraiya, "Wait, who's this guy? Wait, who's that guy?" Wait, who's... <laughs> When did that happen? I don't know if that will be the case, but what if it finishes and then I ask you the people were in the movie? Like, who's that guy with the cape? <laughs> that, well, that could be anybody. Um, <laughs> no, I think uh, the one thing that maybe you might need to go into, you might need to watch before you watch this, is Doctor is Strange. It Shang -Chi? Damn it! I wanted it to be Shang Chi at least because <laughs> you really like Shang Chi. I a love Shang Chi a lot. Um, there's some stuff with Shang-Chi that you need to know in order to get some things in this. Mm -hmm. um, some stuff with this shows uh, are super important to to know what you're going in with this one. Um, yeah, just being generally caught up on MCU. Okay. For the most part of what you can be, I think, is the way to go. Um, I'm not watching the shows. I can guarantee you that. Which is a shame because they're very good. Yeah, but I don't even watch shows anyways. I'm not going to watch Marvel shows. Yeah, I know. WandaVision, you can skip. Uh, I, I wasn't... Actually, you can't, because that's extremely important for the no, next I'm movie. No, I'm fucking skipping. The only like thing Marvel made recently that I actually would watch is probably What If. See, and I just have no interest in that, because it doesn't have anything to do with the story. That's why I'm so interested. It's not the Marvel movies. I want to yeah. see what else could happen. That's fair. Uh, hey, Hunter Alchemist, and hey, Mexican Otaku. Uh, he said, Mexican Otaku says, yeah, fuck Disney. They charged me wrong. Bunch of hoes charged you wrong. What does that even mean? Uh, they charged him seventy nine ninety nine for a month of Disney Plus, and oh, that would suck. That would really suck. <laughs> have Dave the Barbarian in it, and uh, that's uh, still a shame. As everybody knows, the one thing that all fans of Disney Plus have been clamoring for, yeah, Dave the Barbarian. I All mean, 13 episodes. Before that, people actually, like, it changed now, obviously, but people were really confused and upset by the lack of Muppet content on Disney Plus for a long time. There's a lot now. Yeah. It's all there. It's there now, but, yeah. like, for, I think, a year, there was just no Muppet content. Yeah, it was a big deal when they added Muppets. I remember because I watched all of it. Yeah. <laughs> and Liz was like, I don't know why I'm in the same room as you. I don't, why, did, <laughs> why is this happening? <laughs> Otaku also says, yeah, pretty much, probably to what I said. So I imagine they just overcharged. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's the stuff. Uh, go watch Spider-Man if you can. It's incredible. Um, Robbie. Yeah. You watched Hacksaw Ridge. What'd you think of that? So I was gonna say, the funny thing about that is I borrowed that movie from my mom like months ago because she just kept on telling me like, hey, she really watch this movie. It's a real good movie. And I finally found some time and I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch it. 
on HBO Max. <laughs> Andrew Garfield, right? Yeah, Andrew Garfield plays the main character in it. Um, I had some thoughts about it at first, which ended up just being wrong. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? Because like the way that he portrays the character, I thought he was kind of a simpleton. <laughs> no, he's a Christian. No, yeah. he's a Maxington. <laughs> no, 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 he's not that. <laughs> oh no, just cut. Wait, Mexington? Maxing. Oh, <laughs> what? Because simple, it... and then it's just oh, Max. Yeah. okay. Like sorry. that was the opposite of simple in my head. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, no, just like the way that he acts in it. I thought, like, oh, like maybe he's just not all there, but it's not that. I think it's just the way that the guy talked in real life, and he was trying to emulate it while being southern about it. Yeah, that's yeah. That's that's more or less what it was. Um, all in all, it was a good movie. It. The beginning of it almost felt like kind of sloppy Christian propaganda, but yeah, it kind of kind of does actually. It, yeah, it does. But once again, that also goes to the kind of person that uh, you know he was. I'm blanking on the name of the guy now because it was a little while ago that I watched this movie. I haven't seen it since it came out. So yeah, I couldn't tell you. Surprisingly, I haven't either seen it. What period. I know. Uh, every you know time the biggest you say war hack- movie buff we have in this entire I know podcast. I don't know why. Every time you say Hacksaw Ridge, in my head, it's like, yeah, Tex- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> no, I know, no. But that's just like where my head, my head's like, yeah, you know, that movie with uh, the guy with the chainsaw. Yeah. Not Desmond even... Doss. That's the name of the, uh, the guy. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Desmond Doss, because uh, it's one of those things because uh, Hacksaw Ridge is actually based off a true story. It is. Yeah. Uh, so How Desmond Doss. off? Like, apparently very accurate. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, uh, Desmond Doss was a World War II veteran who refused, or who was a war medic, and refused to carry a gun with him because he wasn't there to kill anybody. He was there to save people. And they brought him to Hacksaw Ridge, uh, which was uh, this basically this hill that they're trying to take over from the Japanese at the time. And uh, basically his unit got decimated up there. He ended up getting, well, not so much trapped, but he refused to leave because he needed to save as much people as he could. And throughout the night, he saved over 75 people while uh, while hiding from the uh, hiding from the Japanese and the, it is very much a real story like he won the um medal of honor for doing that yeah, and like the purple heart or whatever no uh he didn't get hurt at all oh uh, he, yeah. did it, he went wow. did it without being detected for the most yeah, part he, and without killing anybody he yeah he not only did he not kill he didn't harm a single person yeah. while he was up there uh cuz it's i kept on thinking like cuz they made such a huge deal early on in the movie about him going up against the uh, United States military and almost being uh, dishonorably discharged and almost being put into a military prison because he refused to pick up a gun and that was disobeying a direct order. Therefore, you know, he was uh, going against the grain and everything. And mm-hmm. that, that could put you in prison. If you know, they tell you to do something, you tell them no. Yeah. Um, they made a huge deal about it at the beginning of it. And like, while he was actually up at Hacksaw Ridge, all I kept on thinking was, you know what? Gun wouldn't help him in this situation anyways. Yeah, like, what's, what are you going to do? Yeah, right? exactly. Shoot it's literally him man. versus an entire army. Like, all he can do is sneak around and not fire a shot because that's going to get him caught. I think ultimately yeah. the reason why he didn't get caught was because he had that moral yeah. high ground or Probably. moral standing or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah and that, that, that's that quite possible. Kind of... But <laughs> even if I, I feel like if I was in a similar situation, I would probably throw away my gun anyways because it's not going to help me in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it was because, like, that's what he's, like, I guess the real Desmond Doss, that's what he said during that situation is, like, he went up there and like he was just there to save people. And like every single time he saved one person, he just kept on asking, like, Lord, let me save one more, which is probably why it felt like sloppy Christian propaganda at the beginning, is because Desmond Doss was a very religious person. Yeah. And um, yeah, so 
it it does tell a very compelling story. Mel Gibson is still very good director at what he does. Uh, there's some really good shots in it. Um, something's happening. Keep going. Uh, like I said, it almost feels like sloppy Christian propaganda at times, but it's multi- mostly because of the kind of person that Desmond Doss was. So it very much makes sense for the character for that. Uh, all in all, I'd say very good movie. Good. Uh, the other one that I watched recently was Manchester by the Sea, and I literally watched it before coming here, which is a very sad movie, but very well done. Like that was a, I can see why that was like the very first movie that, um, that Amazon Studios had produced that was actually got awards. Yeah, didn't it win Best Picture? Manchester. Yeah, Manchester by the Sea. I don't remember if it won Best Picture or if it won Best performance by a lead actor it, it was i know it won some awards i'm not sure exactly what it was but it won, see, it won a bunch actually yeah but yeah but yeah i was gonna say i can see why it was the first movie from amazon that actually won stuff because it is very very well done very well acted the thing that i found out while ma- are watching the movie is that um matt damon was supposed to be the lead actor in that movie yeah. but he wasn't because of the martian and all i kept on thinking is like you know what casey affleck is Casey Affleck has like that deadpan, depressed look way or down way better than that's Matt his, Damon does. It's his default. Yeah. Which makes him <laughs> way better for a movie like Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, it does, honestly. Yeah. I, I don't think I could see Matt Damon being in that role. I don't think he would have done I, it well. I could see him being in that role, but it would not have been the same movie. It would not have been done nearly as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would have had a different feel for sure. Yeah. Also, if people could just share the share or like the show in their chat just to get things up on there to get this uh, horrible person off of. Yeah. Off of our list. It's kind of weird because I know like algorithmic wise, it's good to say like, hey, can you like like and share uh, for that? It's mostly to get bad people off of our platform, though, because it literally is. Yeah. yeah. I just don't want the bullshit name that he was putting on there to be seen by people who come in randomly. Um, No, I I completely understand that. I don't. uh, It's weird because we never ask like we never ask people to like and share because I figure the way that I look at it, at least, is if they do like it, they'll like and share just out of liking the show but yeah but i know that asking people to do it does help but in this case it's just to just to tell this clearly fake account to go fuck itself yeah, yeah. i would never ask that anyways because i don't understand how any of it works so <laughs> it, it's an algorithm <laughs> thing like the more yeah. likes and shares you get on a video like an algorithm for whatever website says like oh hey people are liking this let's share it to more people who will probably like this too and so it's supposed to like help get the word out about your show and like kind of in a weird way like a word of mouth advertisement yeah, basically, basically. Um, cool. So overall positive on Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, uh, both movies. Uh, both yeah. Hacksaw Ridge and Manchester by the Sea are both very good movies. Yeah. Um, we well, yeah, at one point we'll have Manchester by the Sea on the show next year. If Hacksaw Ridge, that actually sounds kind of neat. Yeah. It uh, is a good yeah. movie. It is, um, it is still a rather gory movie. It's gory, but it's not like, well, there's a lot of morphine. But. There's a lot of morphine. Uh, I was going to say, like, that first fight scene up on Hacksaw Ridge was rather gory. It it does get very gory. I'll just look away. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I, have a blindfold on, and you guys can tell me when I can take it but off. But once again, that's kind of a Mel Gibson thing, too, is to have a lot of gore in his movies. Like, most, if not every movie he's ever directed has had, like, a lot of war violence in it. Be, like, from Braveheart onwards. Uh, Braveheart. And then Passion of the Christ was just torture porn. Yeah. Uh, I remember whenever I first watched... Um, passion of the christ that was what i told my mom whenever you're leaving the theater is like if this movie was not about jesus and just about a guy getting tortured for two and a half hours it'd be the same fucking movie yep 100 
One hundred ten percent. I didn't say fucking in front of my mom, but <laughs> it'd be the same fucking movie. Watch your goddamn mouth. <laughs> that's how that conversation would have went. Or my mom would just look at me and went, "Man, such language." Because <laughs> like I remember showing her a clip from a uh, Far Cry Three because I was trying to tell her like how good the voice acting was for that, especially by uh, Michael Mondo, the guy who plays Voss. Michael Myers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to show her that, but I forgot that every other word out of his mouth is fuck. Yeah, he's kind of crazy. Is he and the so, guy that's voiced by Mr. Krabs? Do no. you know? Okay. No, uh, that's Clancy Brown. Yeah, okay. Also a good voice actor. I know he's in some random game, and like it's so hard to not hear him as Mr. Krabs in that game, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, it's one of those things that I kind of do as like a fun little game, because when it comes to his live acting stuff, it's like because... He's like what six foot two and two hundred and fifty pounds. Like he he's a big guy, mm-hmm. and so like they always got him to play the bad guy and a lot of other things. Like they he was the main bad guy in the first Highlander movie. He was, I guess not the bad guy, but he was a drill sergeant in um, uh, Starship Troopers and stuff like that. Because he's like yeah. a big imposing guy. Uh, ever since I found out that he was the voice of Mister Krabs, I had I made a fun little game of like him and his live action stuff. But every now and then he just like starts sound like starts laughing like Mister Krabs. And then you see money signs over his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the first thing that I thought was like, because uh, there's that scene in Starship Troopers wherever like the main character accidentally shoots a guy. And so they they flog him in front of the other soldiers to make an example out of him. And he walks up to him and he's just like, here, like, here son, bite down on this. It's the only thing that's going to help with the pain. Trust me, I would know. And then they start whipping him. And like, in my mind, like while they're whipping him, I just hear, whoosh. I do love a lot of that stuff because um obviously I follow a lot of animals and stuff. People love taking those things and actually animating Mr. Krabs and stuff. Yeah, saying them, and it's just great to hear. Just see a thing is like Mr. Squidward. I should kick your fucking ass. Well, either that or just like whenever he was a bad guy in Highlander, just like as he's like cutting off Sean Connery's head. There can be only one. Shink! No! I it's really dumb. I know. It is. This is what I do amazing. whenever I like I get stuck in my head at work. <laughs> uh, Beats me. I just like think of two unrelated songs and think of a way that they would combine in my head. Uh, of and course, you, you YouTube would. it and you're like, oh, it exists. <laughs> it probably does. Uh, e, Hi. you you played some things. I did. Um, I'll get the easy one out of the way. I for the first time, surprisingly, I played Viva V Viva V. I tried playing that on mobile and it just didn't control well. I would not play it on mobile. Yeah. Like you probably could, but I don't I think the moving itself it was not would fun. suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um considering how much of a platform that game is, I feel like yeah, you would need a controller of some kind. Yeah. Something better than a touchscreen control. For sure. Uh so yeah, surprisingly, I wasn't expecting this. It is still like really good. Like good. I, I it was it's like an early indie game and like those are pretty like uh 50-50 a lot of times like right. I like Super Meat Boy but I like talked <laughs> I I think I talked to Ryan's ear off about all my issues with Super Meat Boy on our show on our live show here you uh went in very positive and you're like and I know this is going to be bad later and you're right <laughs> uh but yeah um v v v v perfect length T- took me less than 2 hours to beat okay um difficulty actually really good the only times that it feels kind of bullshit is when it's like the really hard trinkets to get which makes sense and even the hardest one i think is a reasonable challenge <laughs> so it's got a, it's got a good difficulty curve um i didn't read anything probably not surprising the dry i didn't read any of like the little tvs that pop up until you lore um i read the dialogue of the characters that's pretty fun and charming you're one of those people 
Yeah, because I don't play video games to read a bunch of text that my brain can't comprehend anyways because it's too much at once. <sighs> Give me two sentences at a time, I can read it. I can't read four paragraphs at a time. Which actually reminds me, because we didn't have a live show, Alan Wake 2 was announced at the Game Awards. Yeah, I didn't watch the Game Awards, but I heard. I did. It was incredible. So I, yeah, I was going to say, how does it feel to have an actual sequel to that game instead of just trying to panhandle everything else that <laughs> Sam Lake makes and make, say yeah, it's an like, official sequel to I know to Control Alan isn't Wake. quite as good, but I, I just, it's Alan Wake 4. <laughs> it's Alan Wake 4D the right. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's incredible. They also announced that it is going to be uh, a survival too. horror. Oh, that's weird. So I mean, technically the first one was, but it's that was action survival. Yeah. All right, oh. so it sounds like I'll play Alan Wake two specifically. Um, be like, <laughs> dry. I don't understand any of this game, and then quit. I think <laughs> it might be hard to understand any of that game, even if you play the first one, because of how I play video games. Or that and also because like Alan Wake oh, is purposefully confusing sometimes. It is, and it's a lot of it is up for interpretation in a lot of ways. Mixed. So, oh, yeah. but anyway. Uh well, Mexican Otaku in chat says reading lore is only fun if you're investing in the game. I genuinely can't like read care. stuff. No, no, not care. Like I <laughs> can care about it. I just can't like read stuff in a video game like that. Like my brain doesn't read it correct. So like, let's say you're playing a game and somebody else reads it. Um yeah, like if the game has like dialogue, it works a lot better for me because like if it like forces my brain to focus on what the character's saying. Okay. But if the game just is like, hey, here's a piece of paper. It has four paragraphs on it. I'm out. I can't. Like, my brain can't focus on where it needs. And I don't know why. Because, like, I can read a book. Like, it's not I'm incapable of reading. <laughs> I've seen you do it. Yeah. See I've me? seen you read words. <laughs> yeah. I can read words. And again, like, if two characters are talking to me, I can read that just fine. Huh. But, like, once it gets to just being a paragraph, my brain can't read it in video games for some reason interesting yeah um it sucks because like it means i can't like learn lore yeah it means you played control wrong uh, <laughs> Fuck it means off. i don't have to be there when i you like play that Wake. game and i think that's a good game i don't understand why you want more from me <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna have to be there when you play on wake so i can read everything to you <laughs> force you to take it in if we do the stream you feel free. yeah absolutely yeah. i will say since i beat uh evil land 2 i have gotten back on control i haven't gotten super far yet but i did beat uh was it the um DLC. the mold source oh. i just got done beating that oh which, nice yeah oh. that got super frustrating towards the end of that i think you're a good oh. ways in control in general gets very frustrating to yeah. me. It's, it's a frustrating well, game it's hard. actually i say i got frustrated at that boss i got frustrated because i could not beat it like i kept on dying and then i went to bed and i woke up in the morning and i beat it on my first try classic yeah classic i was kind of pissed that i beat it on my first try when i woke up it's, it's video games yeah but I think it's mostly because, like, whenever you get towards the end of that boss and it, like, floods the floor. Yeah, it floods the floor with uh, that whatever that poisonous gas is and you have to float above it in order yeah. to actually fight it. Yeah. That got frustrating whenever uh, I was trying to beat it. Good game. Anyway, E. Um, so, yeah, VVVVV. Very, <laughs> very good game. Uh, I definitely understand why it's the classic. It's one of those things, like, just better games have definitely come out since then. Sure. But, like... I've played a lot of games with gravity swapping mechanics, and I genuinely think it's still one of the best, like, implementations of that mechanic. It's quirky. Yeah, it's quirky. Like, it's very silly. Um, yeah. I unlock super 
like hard mode and I'm definitely never going to do that in my life, but where you can't switch gravity. <laughs> no, what is it? There's one where you're just like stuck in a, um, you're just stuck in this part where you're like forcefully bounced between two like strings and you have to dodge a bunch of income incoming thing. Huh. And as achievements for every five seconds longer, you last and records your longest time. I got cool. 10. Oh, <laughs> it's that hard. Also, just looking at the um the chat here, Sam said, here's some news. Apparently at the Christmas parade tonight in the town I live in, some crazy fuck hit and ran over two people after swerving around the cops. This is just what I've heard so far. Nowhere is ever safe. Anyway, what the fuck? The parade was canceled. Huh. That sucks. Yeah, I feel like a hit and run is a good reason to cancel a parade, but... The person ran away on foot, she said. Huh. Cool. Well, that's a pretty cool parade. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a parade of lights, so you're like, at the end of it, you're either like, hey, that was like very pretty. It was like short, but whatever. Or you're like, I just went to the parade of lights. I was drinking some cider, and some fucker just swerved right into the middle of the parade. Like, you have a story. He helped some people. Or downed some people. Not all heroes work eight. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So VVVVV is hard. No, like the actual game is not hard. But the hard mode is yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, very fun, very quirky. Um, Easy to like just play, which is always a fun thing to have with video games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one is like one of those things of like very simple concept. Yeah. Uh, and then just like. Yeah. Like stuff add like, more layers. Stuff like that. The execution is key. Yeah. And I think VVVVV really does i should just say v6. so would you say it's one of those easy to pick up but hard to master games i wouldn't even say that because it doesn't like require a lot from you which is really cool okay it's not like a celeste no i still think celeste is a lot easier as long as you just understand the core but it's just one of those things you just have to practice a lot you gotta ex- execute perfectly no i well still... you don't have to but <laughs> i think you really overestimate like or underestimate how much leniency celeste genuinely gives you I don't know. I'm just mad at it because it deleted my data. <laughs> you can just get to where you were so easily. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm gonna bring. It. If we ever do the Twitch stream, I'm gonna bring you Celeste specifically at Chapter Three. I'm just, I, mean, I don't think Robbie's uh, played or seen much of Celeste, anyways. No, I think the sad thing about it is I do have it on PC. I think it was one of those free games that I got off of uh, Epic, though. Yeah, because oh, nice. Epic still does the free games every month. Yeah, that'd be a weird one because like. For the interest of time, I feel like at some point I would just have to like take over controls if you guys can't beat something, and I don't want to do that because that sounds never, really never over interest of time. Fuck that. Okay. Um. But yeah, the other indie game I want to talk about is Inscription. Yeah. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to talk about it on the live show. It's a. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh. But uh, I went in just knowing I was like, I think this is a card game. <laughs> and that was actually literally my only ex- like understanding. Uh, Drya specifically was like, E, you should check this out. And so I put it on my wish list. Then I had a friend who was like, this is an amazing game. So I bought it um, during a sale. Right. Sure. And I was playing it and like, Drya got like real time updates of me like getting farther <laughs> yeah. in the game. Because like at the start, I was like, yeah, this is a really fun game. And I told Drya, I was like, yeah, this is really good. And the next time I was like, oh man, it's like flooring my expectations. <laughs> and then like the last update I get through, I was like, this is probably one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, he may have been expecting what I used to do back in the day when I was playing a game and I'd be texting him. Well, the thing is, I hadn't played it. I had just heard incredible things about it. I'm like, this sounds like an e-game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like, well, uh... Yeah, I was going to say, when, back whenever I would text Dry when I was gaming, it was usually because I was playing a game on hard mode and I was getting frustrated. Fuck shit, fuck, Yeah, fuck, and so fuck. just like <laughs> texting him like, oh my god, this fucking game! And he's like, let's put it on an easier mode. I'm like, no! And just kept on playing. It's because like, you don't even win anything on P. You don't like, get an achievement. You don't get like a high five from the company. Yeah, you get some yeah, achievements. Yeah, I was gonna say you get achievements on PC. That is a that is a real marketing gimmick that we should think about. You beat your ga- you beat my game on in insane mode. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a you, high I'll five. I'll fly you out to my company to give you a high five. <laughs> that uh, would be great. You have the to first have video footage though. First person to do it on video on stream. <laughs> the closest I can think of to something like that is uh, apparently for the Resident Evil remake on GameCube. If you can beat it on invisibility mode in less than an hour and a half, then you uh, get a little, um, you get a little thank you, I guess, from the creator of the game. Like he just writes a letter saying that, like, uh, basically saying like you put in more time and dedication than the average person would, and thank you for uh, enjoying my game enough to get this far in it. <laughs> you did some real dumb, crazy stuff. You played this mm-hmm. way too much. Good job. Yeah, because uh, invisibility mode means like all the yeah, yeah all the zombies are invisible basically and you have yeah. to beat the game in less than an hour and a half yeah just doable just fucking hard yeah but yeah um similar to dry with uh spider-man uh i don't want to say too much because i think inscription is genuinely a game everyone should play um unfortunately for dry i don't think it's ever going to leave pc just because of how it is yeah from what i from a lot of the things that i'd heard about it because I, I did hear a lot of conversation about it because it was always like if you don't want this spoiled then close the podcast now i'm like never gonna play this <laughs> uh, okay so you probably do know some of the later stuff that happens yeah there. and i like some of the stuff they do with like the readmes and things yes like that. um so yeah but i do i might get into it you should play it okay like you play pc games yeah and know how to use a mouse to play video games yeah. i also do I'm joking, it's I'm just joking. i don't want my hand all the way up here i want it right next to my penis like hands are supposed to be <laughs> If like God, God didn't intended. want your hand next to your penis, it wouldn't be at that length. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there goes everyone listening. All right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, it's just like it blew every expectation I had for it. And the best part is it is one of those games where people will very much try to avoid spoiling much for you. So like as long as you don't accidentally click a video and then YouTube's like, Hey, all the secrets of inscription. Plus, here's the final boss in the thumbnail. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Highly, highly recommend. Genuinely, probably my game of the year so far. Okay. Uh, disclaimer I have not played Dread, which is the only other game I think could probably end up in my top five, but easily game of the year. And this year, Deltarune Chapter 2 came out, which is a game I like absolutely love. You did love that a lot. I love it a lot. I love Deltarune. So the fact that it is ahead of Deltarune for me says a lot. Yeah, that um, does actually. I like Ratchet and Clank. I didn't play. I did heard it's very good, but I think what I would do mm. is like, yes, this is a very good platformer, which yeah, is how yeah. dry it feels about a lot of games I play. I'm like, oh, this is a masterpiece of a beautiful mind. <laughs> <I> and a- <laughs> ultimately, on the thing with Ratchet and Clank is, is I've always been a huge Ratchet and Clank fan. Mm. And like, this feels like the best version of Ratchet and Clank. Probably. And it's beautiful and it does fun controller stuff that I really liked with it. And it's just fun. Uh like I care about the story and so like that because like I've just been with it since I was like twelve. But it's also honestly just the best version of that shooty action platformer. I bet. Um I don't know what if like 
uh i in general i'm not super big on like the 3d platformers hmm. um maybe it's just like that era was not my uh childhood i guess in some sense like yeah i didn't i had dreamcast but basically my childhood was all the handhelds we didn't really have a console until the wii yeah so like i kind of missed that because you know 3d platformers on handheld sucked ass and no one wanted them (laughs) and like for me as childhood my two consoles that i had for myself were gamecube and ps2 Mm -hmm. which 3d platformers were fucking everywhere with those. yeah yeah i mean even before that your family did have a nintendo 64 yeah but like i remember growing up like i feel like i missed out a lot on that just because like you guys are only ones that that i knew that had a 64 and like nine times out of ten like hey can i get a turn playing and there was like no yeah i'm gonna say (laughs) Mike Glover. I like what? I don't know. Mike X. Um sixty four <laughs> is a good console, but no, I not. don't think like it's <laughs> worth playing much about it. So there like, was... it was revolutionary. Um all most of the games like are crusty but are still fun in a lot of ways. They're um, entirely playable for the most part. Yeah, I think Some Kirby sixty four is one of the best Kirby games. Um My highlights for N sixty four, Robbie said it as a joke. We played a shit ton of Gex in that house. Yeah. That wasn't even exclusive. Wasn't that on PlayStation 2? And I think yep. it was actually better on PlayStation as well. But I yeah, we a, played a ton yeah. of Gex. We played a ton of Earthworm Jim 3D, uh, which was bad. It was a, ton a bad of Star 3D. Fox. ton of Star I could get through Star okay. Fox so fast. Yeah. I mean, Star Fox is probably one of the peak 64 designs because it works perfectly on 64. I think it's one of the best Nintendo games. Star Fox 64. That's probably fair. The 3DS I, version is amazing. I want to play it. I don't know why. Like, I bought like all the 3ds remakes except star fox that one's so good i had like ocarina of time 3d which is outstanding easily the best way to play ocarina of time other than that the the graphics suck because it's a 3ds game yeah well yeah i don't know what about it also like with star fox you could buy any of the new star fox games and you're playing the remake of 64 which is weird but also like the 3d i'm i'm say what you will about like how you like 3d or not but the 3D and the 3DS version of Star Fox 64 actually worked really well. The early 3DS games did really try to make 3D work. And yeah. like, uh, Kid Icarus, I think, is one of the best 3D because like it actually genuinely yeah. helps you aim. Yeah, very similar failing in Star Fox. Okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, My 3DS may or may not be modded, so I may or may not be able to just grab a copy <laughs> of that potentially. Uh, no, no. May assuming. or may not. Um, <laughs> Theoretically speaking. Yeah, yeah, of course, theoretically. And hypothetically, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Hundred Yard Alchemist asked if we have heard anything about the game Stray. Sounds like a horror game. Not sure. Stray. I think I've heard the name for sure. If it's not an indie game, uh, I unfortunately probably would not have heard of it. The name sounds familiar it to does, me. I'm like, just gonna do some googling. Stray on yeah, Stray. Oh yeah, yeah. Stray. Oh, the cat. Um, yeah. It's supposed to have a release sometime in 2022. Oh, okay. So it's not like a game that came out. No, okay. no, it's, it's going to been... be PS5 exclusive. Oh, um, and Why you is play it on Steam then? Huh? I mean, it might be on Steam too, but <laughs> then it's for not cons- PS5 for exclusive consoles. I think for consoles. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's From you the... literally are in a weird cyberpunk future, and you're a stray cat. That sounds amazing. And you get a fucking car in one part that no, I saw. No, don't tell me anything else. I'm sold. You don't have to like <laughs> sell me on it. <laughs> like, I, I'm it already looks sold. Fun. I will say uh, it probably is going to be a PS5 exclusive at first, but apparently there's also a Steam listing for it for yeah. in 2022. Yeah. Okay. 
I think it's going to be console. That's how it's been working. Console yeah, yeah. exclusive and the PC version. Yeah, that happens a lot. And then, Especially with PlayStation these days. Mexican mm-hmm. Otaku says, Raven for Ratchet and Clank, super fun. The jokes and character feel great. And it's just how a Ratchet and Clank game should feel, which I imagine, unlike some of them, is probably good. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I like the humor and Ratchet and Clank is always on point. Yeah, I mean... That's what a lot of the, like out of all the stuff Ratchet and Clank probably is the like PlayStation type game that I would enjoy because it's like cartoony stuff, which I think yeah. is sorely lacking from Xbox and PlayStation. It's very cartoony, yeah. Um Sam says waiting for Oxfree 2 and Horizon 2. Um I'm waiting for Horizon 1 to just fall into my hands at some point so I can play it for an hour and be like, I don't like open world games. <laughs> um I have uh You have many opinions about horizon i've dinged off of it multiple times i'm gonna try it one more time before horizon 2 comes out because they released a 60 fps patch for ps5 <laughs> so i'm gonna try it one more goddamn time uh, yeah how many fps i get for it on pc seven uh, 150 <laughs> i wish it's like 80 <laughs> or 90 oh my god that that like that feeling you have with that that's how i feel about uh <laughs> hollow Knight. i keep like oh, wanting yeah. to do it and every time i'm like I love this game, except I don't want to play it. <laughs> this game is incredible. I hate touching it. <laughs> Sucks. Um, I had the weirdest one for that, actually. Hmm. Dark Souls. That makes sense to me. Like, that seems like an I mean, easy one. Yeah, to, that's like, the thing, though, is because, like, dry, like, like I was saying earlier, like, I love playing games on hard mode because I love the challenge of it. So I like roguelikes. I honestly do like roguelikes. But every single time that I play it, I'm, it frustrates me how slow the character is. And, like, it just gets in my opinion, needlessly frustrating. And so like, I'll put it down, like I'll pick it up again sometime later. And then I pick it up a year later and play it for 10 minutes. And then I do it again. So here's the advice I would give you on dark souls. I would start on dark souls Get- one. <laughs> I, actually, no, uh, but no, I had dark souls one. Yeah. Dark souls one is where I'd start. Don't do demon souls. I think that is flawed. Okay. Um, people love it a lot, but I think it's flawed. It's too difficult. It's too unfair. Dark souls one, I think is kind of the perfect mixture of challenge and bullshit. Yeah, actually. Um, and the thing about that is you have to literally set aside four hours your first time playing and you're not going to like it. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's awful to Fair. say, I know, but like, that's how it was with me on my first time. Um, I played it for like four hours straight and I was like, I was making slow progress, slow progress and stuff like that. Yeah. Until the thing that you actually have to realize with Dark Souls is it's not fun, but you love it. It's, no, it's almost a puzzle. It's almost a puzzle game because things are always going to be in the same spot. They're never going to trick you. They're never going to be like, I've walked through here a dozen times, but suddenly it's in a different spot. Never going to happen. They spawn in the same spot every time. It's about learning patterns, learning the techniques to get rid of something. And whether or not you enjoy following that pattern every time and like learning like, and like a almost in a Tetris way of like, I put this block here, this block here. I got a Tetris. Like Dark Souls, like I block this attack. I parry this one. I stab this guy, kick this guy off the cliff. Like you learn your strategy for an area. Yeah. I mean, I get that too. Um, a game that also did that that I did enjoy, but I think I enjoyed it because it was it's like Dark Souls, but way faster pace is like Ninja Gaiden. Not like Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like Dark Souls is like way more uh open world esque than Metroidvania. Or yeah, Metroidvania yeah. as compared to Ninja Gaiden, but also like you know, that sense of like getting frustrated of having to like do the same thing over and over again, but like slightly tweak it in order to actually get better at it. But the thing with Dark Souls is that you're not like actively like getting better. You're just learning the routine. Okay, I it's would not argue about that's like getting better. May I mean maybe, but like 
It's not like, all right, I've leveled up 17 times, now I can do it, because they level up with you. Yeah. Um, it's just I mean, like, I'm okay with that, too, but the, I also played uh, The Witcher uh, uh, the Witcher 3 with uh, oh, whatever the fuck that patch was called, whatever, like, the enemies yeah, yeah, level yeah. with you. Yeah, but, like, it really is just about pattern recognition and stuff like that, and if you get enjoyment about that, then you'll get enjoyment with it. If not, then it's just not going to be for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should go into Dark Souls again with that in mind, because like I love Punch Out, and that's a very similar vibe from how yeah, you. That's also it. yeah. That was like, God, I played so much Punch Out, like, and I think it's one of those things because you say it's the weakest in your opinion, but like Super Punch Out for the or Super Nintendo. I say it's the weakest, but at the same time, like, still Punch Out. What I yeah, it's still Punch Out. So that's the fun. <laughs> that's still easily one of the best yeah. Super Nintendo games. But like that was my introduction to Punch Out was the Super Nintendo yeah. one, and I played the ever living crap out of it. Yeah, I mean like. Barring Super, because I just haven't played that one as much, like, I genuinely can still get very far in every Punch-Out without, like, losing. <laughs> just because of how much muscle memory I've built. Yeah, and that and was the how, same thing with me. With yeah. uh, Like, I actually had a character who had, like, 200 wins and zero losses, because I just, like, I memorized everything yeah. in that game. I, was like, what is I think we, I can get to, like, the second circuit, like, third character before starting the struggle. And... In uh, a re- NES, I shouldn't say original because it's just a weird arcade the game. Arcade no one, cares yeah. about. But <laughs> on the NES, I think I can get about to Great Tiger before starting the struggle, which is pretty good considering NES is kind of bullshit, quite frankly. Yeah, it, it's pretty unfair, actually. Yeah, I think NES is like a good blueprint for the Wii one. Because like, I think the Wii one's very good at being rewarding, especially the fact that you just start at the <laughs> same character. And eventually it lets you punch Monkey. Which isn't that everybody's dream? Not eventually, actually. Technically speaking, because it's random, there is a chance you just <laughs> would never know the Donkey Kong's in that video game. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. You can fight Donkey Kong in the Wii one. Maybe, yeah. maybe Robbie was the random. <laughs> no. um, well, well you... the sad thing is, is I own that game, but I haven't played it yet. It's a oh really? Yeah. I think easily uh, one of the best Wii games for sure. It's fun. But yeah, like whenever I was at a GameStop one day, I just saw it there, and I was just like, I really like Punch Out for the Super Nintendo. I should get this, and like I bought it, and I just haven't played it yet. There is a caveat I'll give you. It's one of the games I say you should really just play with a CRT because playing with yeah yeah input lag sucks. It does. I mean, I will say the TV I have is actually meant for gaming. At I, least not the, the yeah, Wii's but, not but meant it's still, for that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still not a CRT. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. So how that one works is you do all the every character you beat them all. You fight Mr. Sandman. You get a title defense mode, which is every character is now leveled up. So, like, you still know what they're going to do, relatively speaking, because they're still, like, going to have the same, like, ideas. And the same movesets? Not the same movesets, because they learned. That's the cool part about that. That's the, like, really brilliant part about the Punch-Out for the Wii, is, like, it's a new twist on the same characters. So, like, you're understanding what they're going for all the time, but at the same time, you have to adapt to what they're doing now, rather than the other. And it's, like, a really interesting back and forth that I love. And then you do all that, and you activate... I forget what the name of it is, but it's... You get three shots. If you lose three times, you're done. Your your save file's done. Like So, kind of a hardcore mode, then. Kind of, yeah. Like, so you do that, and you you get any character. It's random what character you get. They add in a new fighter, which is Donkey Kong. Awesome. And you fight him and you fucking lose because you don't know who the fuck his character is. But goddamn, it's so amazing. He's cool. He's cool. Um, Yeah. So that's like 
again, like I think Punch Out Wii is easily the best like evolution of Punch Out, and I so desperately want more Punch Out because Punch Out Wii is like fifteen years old, I think. Yeah, but Punch Out's not Mario. No, but Mario was in NES Punch Out. Good point. I was really surprised they just like made a new ref for Punch Out instead of just having Mario show up. Why not? One, a two. That went great actually. Uh, you got knocked out, uh, you little bitch. <laughs> but also at the same time, I, mean, I really want to make a punch out game, but I don't know if I can nail the timing stuff. Right. Anyways, uh, we're almost at an hour, so we should probably. Oh, wait, well, we, we have one more thing. Yep. We have one more thing. We should talk about episode three of The Night Of. Yes, we did watch episode three of The Night Of. Uh, this one, Nas is going to prison for the first time. Yeah. And kind of getting a sense of like what he's in for and what prison life will be like, what prison life will be like. And also um, his attorney, John stone is talking to his parents and like letting him know, like, listen, if this goes to court, which it most likely will, that means you're going to have to have, there's going to be attorney fees on this and like kind of going like on how much everything's going to cost them and kind of goes along with like more or less how, if you're poor, you're basically screwed when it comes to the judicial system. Yeah. Um, yeah, as well. Also, as- how people are going to try to like take advantage of you with it because, like, he gives them a, a flat rate of like fifty thousand dollars as a retainer fee, saying that he's going to be cheaper than anyone else that they're going to well, get. He starts at seventy five thousand, and then yeah. he slowly keeps going down. Yeah, until he gets to, yeah to until he gets to fifty thousand as a retainer fee. Yeah. And they keep on saying like, "Cool, like we like we have eight thousand dollars as a life savings. Like, there's no way we can afford to pay you." And then eventually, some other lawyer guy comes up and is like, "Hey, I'll do it pro bono as like a this is going to yeah. be good for my career." Because that's the other thing that's important is the trial is now public. Yes. Yes. Extremely public. Yeah. As and in people you can are ta- already see like how they're manipulating the narrative. Yeah. Very much so. Like it becomes public. Uh, the police talk about it. And like uh, people automatically because Nas is a Muslim character start talking about like, oh, is he part of any extremist groups? Was he born in America? Like and all this other stuff. And like even his dad is like watching news like what does he mean like what organization what organization would he be part of and they look and like his friends look at him and say like you know what they're saying you know exactly what they're talking about yeah yeah and like the police are like we have we are doing research into yeah, it we are investigating it right yeah. like we like want to say like we want to say yes but we don't have proof yet yeah like again it's just like a really it's like awful in such realistic ways i think that's what i like about that really, show yeah news really does manipulate people's worldviews on a lot of stuff and like the dangers of biased reporting and a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And then like how the detective behind who's running the investigation, like goes out of his way to be like, Hey, you're like to like manipulate the story behind the scenes, even like in police reports and stuff mm-hmm. yeah. about what the rookie detective throwing up. Cause he saw his first body and anybody would. So you have to have that in your report because if not, you seem just as unhuman as he does. Right. There's a really good line too, where like there's two people who are just kind of, sitting there in the holding area yeah and like he just goes over he like points at him like those two are being locked up because they look shady yeah like like when they go in front of a jury jury they're still going to look shady and they're going to get convicted because they look shady but Nas doesn't so we need to paint the narrative that he is yeah yeah so we have to somehow go through there and convince them that this everyday college student could do this horrible crime we don't have to convince them anything they look like they're guilty they're guilty it's yeah that's the awful part is the horrifying truth behind all of it. Yeah. I think that's what I do like about it, though, is like it's horrifying, but it does it in a very realistic, true way, because this is stuff that does happen every single day. Yeah. But we just I think, you know, being people who are not in prison, we don't have you know see that part of the judicial 
judicial system. I mean, it's one of those things like you want to believe that everything is working how it should. Like it's the it's the thing that a lot it's the trap a lot of thing people fall into where like you assume that there's no way that corruption could possibly be in the like things like the police force or the judicial system because that would challenge your worldview essentially like yeah if, if that's corrupt what else is corrupt yeah that's the issue a lot of people fall into so like it always goes in like no they were tried fairly obviously because yeah. anything else would be incorrect anything else would challenge my purview of the world currently mm-hmm. and then everything else crashes down obviously because i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> um i i feel like that's how most people look at it <laughs> <laughs> they call themselves fucking idiots yeah. and don't challenge themselves um but yeah there's a lot of that um something i really like being established in this one is how there just really isn't like good and bad in any of this any of these yeah. characters yeah. like every like character has a reason a selfish reason for wanting yeah. to do something mm-hmm. well, like a good example is like uh, the guy who was his attorney because he just happened to be at the police station john like john stone is legitimately trying to help this kid but he's also trying to help himself with this like this is should be his big break in his uh in his career as a lawyer well that's yeah. the thing i really like it makes you question like is he wanting to help this kid or is it just is he all wanting to help con- himself yeah is it all just for him like yeah. does he actually care about nazir that's the question and like you see how every little thing gets manipulated because like john stone visits nazir in the prison and like brings some clothes to wear and stuff and like he clearly is putting thought into this when he buys the clothes, he's making sure that there's nothing like that would end up incriminating him in any sort of way. Yeah. But at the same time, is he just buying him clothes because that would make Nazir trust him more? Right. More or less. And like just a lot of that. Um, this introduces a new character. I don't remember his name. I think John Jerry or something. The prison inmate? Yeah. I don't remember his name the either. <laughs> but um He's an he's an interesting character. He basically runs the prison from the inside. He used to be a UFC boxer, I believe. Either that or just a normal boxer. He was just regular boxing. Um and got caught Freddy up in his name. Freddy. Um he got caught up in something, but he using his money and just kind of just strength in general is yeah. manipulating a lot of his stuff. He basically has all of the guards in his wing under his thumb. Yeah, and he can do whatever he wants essentially including like start things yeah and like he brings out his he gives him like shoes and stuff and offers him protection but it's one of those things is he really protecting nazir or is he just not fighting nazir by offering that that's like the weird questions like yeah like i i wonder what his end game here is because yeah. what does it help him by helping nazir like does yeah that's the weird because again it's like you intrinsically want to believe that he just believes Nazir didn't do anything and that he just wants to help him. Right. But at the same time, no one has a reason to really believe Nazir. Yeah, nobody does. Like, I, watching the show, don't know if I really believe Nazir. That's one of the beautiful parts about this show so far. Yeah, because it doesn't show you the crime actually happened. It just shows you the aftermath. It doesn't show you the crime if it did or did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's That's a really interesting part about this show. It makes it to where you don't even know if you can trust your protagonist. Yeah. And that's what it puts you in the shoes of all the other characters. I think is really smart. And then 
I'm gonna but also like you get you get a sense that he might be getting something out of Nazir if he helps him too, because like he keeps on wanting to help him, but then when he brings him into his cell, uh, a guard also like you know drops off a package for him too, and he's just like, hey, like that our guard over there, like his daughter's had a quinceanera. He says it, he doesn't say it as quinceanera. He says it weird. Quinceanera, yeah, quinceanera, yeah. and like um. <laughs> So it's talking about that tradition, but she's going to be having it in a bad neighborhood because he, you know, he makes a a police guard uh, salary and he can't afford to give her like a big party. So I made some calls, made sure that there wasn't going to be any junkies around that area and doing anything shady. And so that way he could have a nice, you know, little quinceanera with his daughter. And then he's like, that little package is his little thank you to me. And like, turns out that the guard gave him veal, which is very expensive. Mm hmm. But also, you, you also get the sense uh, with some other guards where in some other scenes that you see that, like, you know, it's kind of like you scratch my back, I scratch your back with a lot of uh, the guards there, which is how he gets everything that he has there and how yeah. he's basically running that prison from the inside. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's that's what I'm really interested in with the next episode is like. We're obviously going to get into the court case at some point. Yeah. yeah. But I'm almost more interested in what's happening inside of this prison at this yeah. point. Which is all a part of the system, though, too, because it's just one of those, like, if you are convic- are convicted of a crime, whether you're guilty or not, you're still going to have to go through the penal system like this. <laughs> so it's all... System. Yeah. yeah. Penal. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, it, it is, it's all part of it because, you know, it does show on the outside of, like, you know, are all of them preparing for this and, like, they're saying mm-hmm. this could take months before it even gets to arm, um, you know, to a jury, yeah, because you know they got to select a jury and they got to make sure they find the right people and that it's a fair trial and they got to find a judge and blah 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 blah. But even if it's being fast tracked, because at one point in time they say like, oh yeah, this is a very open shut case. Go ahead and fast track this. Yeah, it still takes time, right, to get all this done. Yeah, and I guess another important thing is um, Nazir took his father's cab that his father shares with two other people. Yeah, and. They can't get the cab back, which means that his father and those two friends can't make any income. Yeah. Yeah. They're just making no money because the cab is considered part of a crime scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like if there's a crime that happened on your truck and they took your truck because it's part of a crime scene, like you can't get back and forth to work now because you don't have a way to, you know, do it. And there's nothing you can do about it because it's technically a piece of evidence. Yeah. It's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Which it, it makes sense. But yeah, when it's something that's that important to you, it, it sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Which they did in an earlier episode too, the episode before this, like they went into the house gathering evidence uh, for their yeah, case and everything. And seizure, everything. Yeah. yeah. And they ended up taking the family's laptops, which is like, no, we, we need those for school and for work. It's like tough shit. Got to buy a new one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Super fucked up. Oh, you can't yeah. afford one. Oh, that, that sucks for you, but we need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see cuz that that's the other really interesting thing that this episode did is it was almost not focused on Nazir at all. No, no. he's just a bystander yeah. of his own story right now. I Basically. would say for this 1 hour long episode there's maybe about 5 minutes that are focused on him. Yeah. And it's mostly, you know, this guy that's talking to Nazir that's like okay, like he wants to befriend him and protect him, but why? And also like them realize like this is also another thing that's kind of uh, that's very realistic about prison is um if you are convicted of a sexual crime in any way you are tried even harder by the prison or the prisoners in the prison like they do not like sexual predators they'll kill the- you oh yeah they'll definitely kill them like they have to put them in a separate protection um cell because another inmate will kill them like oh like you raped this woman cool you don't deserve to live like you yeah did something bad to a child like cool like we're going to set you on fire yeah yeah and that's 
that's how Nazir is being treated. He's just, he's yeah. just seen guilty by everybody in prison oh, yeah. and outside of prison before anything's even happened. Yeah, and mm-hmm. something that Freddie even tells him is like, there's an entirely different justice system inside of here, and you've been found guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trying to think. So that pro bono... Uh, pro bono lawyer, yeah. 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 That's an interesting setup because like, immediately you hate her because the first thing she does is find an indian looking person who works for her and (laughs) she's not even indian she just looks indian yeah because she asks like where are you like where are you from boston i where are your parents from mumbabwe close enough yeah that is just such the it's the shittiest question in it I haven't gotten it. I think I've gotten it once, maybe, but it's just a shitty question to always ask people. Yeah, because it, it's such a like nothing of a question. Like, yeah, like, hey, where do you come from? Uh, like downtown? No, no, no. Where do you come come from? The fuck does that mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's like it's one of those things. What does it matter? Like, yeah, where do you come from? Here, I've lived I've li- here my whole life. I've, li- I've lived here. What do you want from me? Yeah, like if even if like no, where's your parents? Like if I said Mexico, it's like I'm not like. I've never, I've been to Mexico once. It's not like I know Mexico. Yeah. I can't like, be like, you can't be like, oh yeah, repping Mexico in the Olympics. Yeah, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's where I went first, but, yeah, but it is. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's one of those things. And like, she uses it to like comfort N- Nazir's parents basically by yeah. having someone. And she just basically happened to have someone who could speak the language yeah. you know yeah that can speak a little bit of hindi to these pakistani parents to try to comfort them mm-hmm. all to say like hey like i will do this case for you pro bono because you know i care about you but also this is gonna look really nice for my firm right yeah. and that's it's so because it, it, the show's put almost this thing in this episode of like you literally can't trust anybody no, no. like like it already like the, that's the thing something that it does really well is the last one is like no you can't trust a detective they just want to fucking book him yeah whereas this one's like what is anyone's real motive right at any point because yeah it's episode two was very much like you can't really trust the detective because they'll say they're trying to help you but really they're trying to help themselves and trying to get a confession out of you and this one it's like oh well maybe you can trust your lawyers because they're trying to help you but really they're trying to help themselves in a lot of these situations too exactly it's it's such a thing because like in a lot of the cases, you really want to hope that they care. But in in the back of your mind, you know they probably don't. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's their job. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was going to say, at the end of the day, this is a paycheck for them. Yeah. It was like, and they even use that yeah. to their ex- example. Like with John Stone, and he's talking about like what their best case is if they can't afford a real lawyer. Because he's saying, like, oh, this could easily cost over $150,000, but I will make a deal with you and I will do it for 75000 and then drops it down to 50000 for them. Yeah. And says, like, if you don't do this, your best chance is one of these other attorneys, our daytime attorneys, who will pick a case randomly, uh, bring, all right, go talk to the client for 30 minutes, go out into a judge, pick the first deal that they give him, and uh, go to Starbucks and get a coffee and do it six more times throughout their day, which, sadly enough, is a, I still want to say is a pretty big truth when it comes to like a public defender. Absolutely. They, uh, I think it's public defenders have something like three trials a day. I can believe it. Which like, that doesn't give you enough time for half the clients, even if that were the case. Right. Let alone like even a trial a day. Could you imagine? Right. Like it's insane. Yeah. It's insane to have to be a public defender and try to actually like, 
get these people off. And in some cases they don't like, like he said, they'll take the first deal that the judge gives yeah. them and won't even fight for them. Just like, okay, this, like, this is what you get. Like if you want a, anything better than this, you should have hired a better lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, I will. I do have a negative about this episode. I am super not into the, uh, stones, uh, eczema subplot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't. I don't it's know like where it's weird. Going. It doesn't like. Where do you go with that? I sh- uh, the show probably will do something, but like, it's just a weird like ten minutes of this episode. I think the thing kinda... that it does well is put you in his like mindset of like makes him really feel more of like the down and out lawyer. I get that, but like, it's such a constant throughout the show it feels weird to actually like take the time out to keep establishing it yeah especially with the thing with the cat which i know it's gonna come back obviously right because like they're not just gonna be like yep the cat's dead bye <laughs> like the yeah. cat's gonna like puke out the drugs or something later down the line because that was one of the like last that, things but... that does happen in the show is uh he keeps on seeing this cat and says like i can't i'd love to take you home but i can't because i'm allergic and so he takes it to a shelter and then asks like hey like how long do you guys keep the animals before you put them or before you euthanize them? Uh, about 10 days for yes. I think that that will be the discovery point on whether or not stone actually cares about Nazir or not is whether he goes back for the cat. I think that'll be like a big symbolizing point. Maybe, but like, I, I don't know. They'll probably do it better than I'm imagining, but it feels like very shoddy symbolism. If it, yeah, it is kind of symbolism because if you notice, like the cat gets put into a cage and has you know yeah. ten days before it gets gassed, and Nazir is also in a cage right now, and was offered protection but he turned it down. And the very last thing that happens in that episode is like the people who think that he raped this girl uh, set his bed on fire to kind of send him a message. Yeah, yeah. he's and not the, welcome. Yeah. Despite all his rage, Nazir's just a cat in the cage. <laughs> despite all my marriage, uh, yeah. I'm interested to see where the show goes. It's uh, got me. Sam yeah. says, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We're talking about um The Night of. The Night of. Uh, it is a HBO original. It was a limited time series back in 2016. It is eight episodes long and very, very good. Uh, I've been talking about this show for a very long time. And since I've got, it came out. Yeah, since, pretty much since it came out. But whenever the pe- podcast started, Dry uh, yeah. started talking about doing shows. And that was the very first show that I pitched to him was this one. Yeah, yeah he's been fighting for this since 1947. <laughs> which is Crazy. weird because it came out in 2016 and you were born in 19 yeah and you came out in yeah 1990 <laughs> yeah but anyway uh yeah i'm interested to see where the show goes from here yeah so uh we're gonna do something new now yeah we're gonna try a thing uh i got this hopefully you don't get kicked off before we finish it yeah hopefully not if not we'll have to start hopefully you do that'd be really funny if we're at the climax and we just get kicked <laughs> off um so yeah uh, got a board game. It is Choose Your Own Adventure House of Danger, based on the book by R.A. Montgomery. Uh, I think it's a board game that will work really well for a podcast format because there's a board, but it's not actually all that important. <laughs> um, for like what will end up be what will end up doing, really. I think yeah, I assume it's just to keep track more than anything. Yeah, it absolutely is just keep track of things. Oh, so there's um, a flyer for the board game Pandemic. Which I have up in the closet yeah. above us, which is good very game. good. Let's play that. It's very good, but very visual. Uh, well, it's very visual, and also like, I, <clears throat> I feel like with just the three of us, there's a good chance we'd lose, and also it'd take us longer than two hours to play it. Yeah, it's a very cooperative game. So, how this game works is there are five separate decks, 
Uh, it's a co-op game. You can play with one, two, as many people as you want. So if chat wants to get involved in any of the decisions that we end up making here, more than welcome to put in your two cents. Yeah, please yell at us. Yeah, please do. Um, Sam will say, I'll choose an adventure. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Dun, dun, dun. Pick a, me, pick a number between seven and ten, Sam. And that, that will determine what card I draw. Oh, that's not how it works, actually. Um, it seems to be that this is literally the entire book. Okay. Just in cards. And we will literally be just playing through this together. Huh. There will be some dice rolls that determine some things, but for the most part, it seems like it will be one thing. Yo, I call yellow dice. That's not how that works. <laughs> um, I I think... And he ate the die. Aw. <laughs> well, we'll fish that out later. We'll have to start this again some other time. <laughs> Give me like six... You're going to have to poop in this bucket. Give me like six to eight hours. Oh, go get the Wheaties. <laughs> the frosted Wheaties. The frosted Wheaties, yep. Because you're too, too child for normal Wheaties, but too adult for frosted flakes. Well, actually, Liz did this thing that I started doing because I thought, that's weird. Fasting. Uh, no, fuck fasting. Um, <laughs> she puts Frosted Flakes in the blueberry... Uh, Yogurt? No. Uh, blueberry oh. Frosted, frosted Wheaties? Mini Wheats? And so it's like you have little Frosted Mini Wheat Blueberry Clusters in your Frosted Flakes. It's delicious. Hmm. I think I'll just stick to raisin. You get two sugars for the price of one sugar. <laughs> I was like, I'm making fun of dry for eating Frosted Wheaties when I'm... Written Razor Brands, one of my favorite yeah. types of cereal. <laughs> um, so yeah, there are. There's going to be a story deck here, and then item decks, and they're all uh, cut up into their own chapters and everything like that. Hopefully, we can finish one chapter before the show ends. Yeah. Uh, if not, we'll have to jump back on live in a second show just to finish it off. So we'll can... jump cut. No, nope, yeah. you'll have to wait one whole month for us to finish the first chapter. Um, <laughs> and that will also be cut as soon as we finish the first chapter. <laughs> um, so here it is. Place board game on table, nightmare image side facing up for two minutes. Study the image for clues about places to visit and objects to investigate as moving forward. Take a look at that board, you two. I've looked at it quite a bit, but... Um, Place the psychic mover on the three spot on the psychic thing. I think that's this guy. This little yellow cube. We have a yellow cube. We have like a trouble character looking dude and one dice. It's a six-sided die. Uh, that will be determining a bunch of different roles for us and whatnot. Um, so apparently there's a danger meter and there's also a psychic meter. Yes, there is a danger meter and a psychic meter. I want <laughs> danger zone. Danger zone. Meter. Um, psychic scale, put the little token on number three, it says, so that's what we're going to do. Um, on the danger mover, the lowest three, so do that as well. Sorry, just quickly, Sam was, I'll tell you if this is interesting to listen to, maybe more interesting than listening to fake court stuff. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Um, it says, place the two blue starter kit cards face up below the game board. This is the start of your inventory. Uh, so I have to open these decks then. I've not opened anything on this yet. <laughs> live uh, card pack opening right here. It is on a live stream. unboxing, but there's no video feed. Nope. Live card opening. Uh, we'll let you know if we get any rares. 
you can listen to me slowly peel off the cellophane with my zero fingernails I have. And hope that there's a holograph or holographic I hope card. it's worth $7. I handed them to E because I think he can handle this better. That reminds me, I actually did open a card of Pokemon cards not too recently. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, Just to have the stuff around the card more than the card itself. But like, <laughs> did you buy one of those Pokeballs? No, I just bought a pack. Oh, okay. And uh, it had one worth $2 in it, which oh. means if I got five of those, I could have bought the pack. <laughs> All right. I am now giving it to Robbie. To try. <laughs> uh, somebody has to use their yeah, teeth. To I was going to say, uh, at one point in time, I actually did buy one of those uh, metal Pokemon or Pokeballs to see mm-hmm. what it was. It was three. Uh, was that a choking hazard? No. Uh, uh, the ball's pretty decently decent sized. Um, the reason I got it is because like it's supposed to come with a coin, so it's three packs of cards and like a little Pokemon coin, which it had a nine tails in there, and nine tails is cool. <laughs> Wait, you bought it because you really wanted a coin? Yes, <laughs> that sounds about right for Robbie. It's not even a metal coin; it's a plastic one. Nice. I'm using my teeth. Let us know if you guys are interested in hearing someone bite a deck of cards. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of plastic in my mouth now. To be fair, I did something even crazier just because, like, I got curious a bit. I I bought some Magic the Gathering cards, and it was like and you started eating them. No, uh, they were super expensive because every single card was a holographic card in there, and they're all D and D based. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I did see someone like as a joke open up a card pack and joke about like how rare the cards were. And like the last pack there someone's like fold it. So they like folded it. And when they opened it, it was actually like a rare card and they <laughs> ruined it. So this card, when it's brand new, is two hundred bucks and I folded it in half. Well like no, it was funny because like effort, they were like putting like the prices of they're like, oh look at this uh Togepi and it was like retail price, two cents. <laughs> And the last one, they were like, oh, fuck, damn it. And it was like, god damn it, you idiot. <laughs> I don't know how much that card was worth, but it was really funny. All right. So we got the decks open. It told us to place our two starter kit cards. One of them is a pocket knife, which gives us a bonus to attacks. And the other one is a bottle of water, which discard at any time to lower dan- danger meter by three. Danger. The danger. Um, all right. Uh, it says also place the... Um story cards and clues mark chapter one and set them in a separate deck on the game board place the book cover on top of the story card deck which i have done um pick a player to read the first story card um on the back of the story card you will usually see two or more story choices story cards may also include optional or required challenges uh which challenges are involve the dice rolls and the danger meter and the psychic scale and stuff like that we'll read over that in a second um, after you take on challenges or story choices, the current reader places the story card in a discard pile with the number side facing up. You always need to know the last place you explored, uh, just so you see the goals and deaths and stuff like that. Sorry, notified something. Uh, no idea. Uh, make sure our call's not like open properly as well. It is not. Okay, good. We do have no call-in set for just anybody wondering. Okay. Um, but you can always talk in the chat. We are super uh, we definitely look at interactive it. to the chat. Yeah, for sure. Also, I will say to Sam, I also have a lot of vintage Pokemon cards because back whenever Pokemon was still like the brand new thing, I used to get them. And so I still have all those cards. Uh, so whoever <laughs> the current reader is searches the story card deck for the chosen story card okay. and gives that card to the player on their left. Do not let... 
Do not discard any unread story cards into the discard pile. Do not pass the entire deck to the reader. Just do not the cards pass to go. Read. Do not collect $200. <laughs> Always keep the back cover on top of the story card deck, which is this guy. Yeah. Um, new reader reads new story card and repeat step six and onward. Uh, yeah. So there's like a bunch of combat things in the danger meter. Uh, danger meter represents precarious state. As the danger arises, you are less capable of meeting the perils of your adventure. The numbers on the danger meter indicate the current difficulty of any challenges you face. Okay. Um, some cards present challenges. You must undertake required challenges, but you choose whether to take on optional challenges. Cool, cool. Uh, challenge boosters include climbing, fighting, dexterity, perception, and strength. Um, what the booster that they have on there will show on the dice plus one or plus two and then that'll add to whatever that is um for challenges if your danger mover is on a three space on the danger meter and you roll a three four or five or six you win the challenge if you roll a one or a two you lose stone items can help you win challenges by boosting your die roll if you roll a one on any challenge no matter what you lose rude very rude so one is a critical fail then one is a critical fail Um. One is an epic fail, bro. The psychic scale represents the level of your extrasensory powers throughout the game. Actions you take during your adventure will raise or lower your psychic scale level. Higher levels will yield beneficial rewards. <laughs> Sorry, Sam says we should have probably gone through the rules off air, which is probably Probably, yeah, probably you're probably right, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, I, I was under the impression that you already read the rules and knew what we were going to be doing. Absolutely not. That wouldn't be fun. All right. We're ready. Um, I'll, I'll start it off, I, I suppose. Um, That's the top card. Yeah. Uh, card one, the ground. This is going to be a lot of reading, by the way. So. Oh boy. Let's see if I'm awake enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, the grounds, chapter one. It's a Tuesday morning in late June, and you wake up in a cold sweat. The nightmares came again last night. Even though you are an, inspire, an aspiring detective and psychic investigator, you haven't been able to make sense of the haunting dreams you've had these past few weeks. In your dreams, you keep seeing the same spooky house. You're still shivering under the covers when you hear the phone ring downstairs in your basement, where you have your combination office and research laboratory. You dash down to the lab to answer it. I need, I need. A weak voice says when you pick up the receiver, I need your help. You hear a loud click and the phone goes dead, but you were prepared. While the caller was talking, you activated your high-speed telephone tracing device. <laughs> it instantly displays the caller's number, 555-7259. You call back the number right away, but there's no answer. After consulting the tall stack of reverse phone card books behind your desk, you are disappointed to learn the number is unlisted. What year are we? No idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you sense that the phone call is somehow related to your nightmares. Later, while at the Hedgebrook police station to return a night scope you borrowed for a recent stakeout, you described the mysterious phone call and continued on the next card. <laughs> the recurring dreams to your friend, Sergeant Morrison. That call does sound strange, he says. We'll look into it. And about that house in your dreams, a voice says from the hallway. I wonder if you're dreaming about the Marsden house out on the Hedgebrook Road. Detective Murphy sticks his mustache face into the room. Modern house. Ornate gate. That sounds like the Marsden place all right, says Sergeant Morrison. Strange things are reported to happen out there. Detective Murphy takes a puff on his pipe. That place is haunted, he says. I know it sounds unprofessional, 
but I've had a file on the Marsden house for years, and I'm sure of it. He waves a folder in front of your eyes, and a phone number written on the front jumps out at you. It matches the one from your mysterious phone call. Five five dun, dun, five dun. two nine eight seven. <laughs> so the call is related to your nightmares. Your psychic senses were right. Draw clue twenty six to discover your goal. Uh, looking through a bunch of numbers. Twenty six. Chapter one goal: Get inside the Marsden house. I could have probably guessed that. <laughs> Back at home, you grab a bottle of water and your trusty pocket knife, preparing for a new investigation. Okay, so it is that thought out. I, did, I thought the cards might be just random. <laughs> yeah. Half an hour later, you stand before the Marsden residence, which appears exactly as it did in your nightmares. The house's futuristic look is strange contrast to the antiquated appearance of the stone wall and the wrought iron gate, which is locked and shut, wrapped in steel chains. Even though the air is balmy, a chill travels down your spine. The gathering clouds on the horizon hint at a brewing simmer summer thunderstorm. All right, looks like we have a couple of options here. Yeah. If you search the wall for a way in, go to story card 13. If you climb the gate, go to story card 7. Search it. What would searching the wall do for us here? You could find a hole or a key. Could find a hole or a key. Climbing the gate. How tall is the gate? Doesn't say. How I, it would it would have been on the back of the thing that we didn't get a, we didn't look at enough, I think probably. Robbie, how good are you at climbing? I'm an okay climber. I'm not very good at climbing. What I'm about, pretty good at climbing. Yeah, you've probably broken into stuff before. What, what's I your, am absolutely broken into What's this your stuff. inquisitive uh, thought? Well, honestly, our, my first reaction would be to search the wall for something, actually, before climbing a wall. Probably. I mean, also, if you remember in high school, I got in trouble because I climbed up a tree so high that they saw me on the second fl- floor of the school. Yeah, and I also got in trouble when I was climbing a church and I got to the third story and a cop stopped and told me to get down right now. Okay, so maybe climb- we search the wall then? Okay. Yeah. 20 chapter. So, that way we don't have people yelling at us for climbing <laughs> things we're not supposed to climb. Yeah, go to story card 13, it says. Sam says in an Anne Rice novel. <laughs> yeah. That's our th- thing that I heard about recently. Anne Rice recently passed away. She did, yeah. Yeah. Just want to make sure that this is okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess I hand that to you, Robbie. Sure. And then I put all of this back on here, and then I put this in a discard pile. I think. Then you eat that one. And then I eat it. Wait, what? I don't want to eat anything. Think of how tasty that paper is. Oh, you're right. You're right. All right, Robbie. Instead, he wants to drink this chocolate vanilla porter that he. God, no, he doesn't. That thing's absolutely it's disgusting. It's so chocolate. It's so it has disgusting. such a good chocolate aftertaste. It's so bitter. It starts it off bitter. It tastes like someone gave you coffee and also spiked it with 100% dark cocoa. Yeah. Yeah. It does, it does taste like that. Okay. <laughs> Moving along the mossy wall that surrounds the property, you come across a jagged opening. Excuse me. Created by fallen rocks. It's just big enough for you to squeeze through. Once... Once on the other side of the wall, you find yourself standing at the cobblestone plaza, surrounded by marble and bronze figures. Most of the sculptures depict men gazing off into the distance, as if pondering the deeper meaning of it all. But at the edge of the courtyard, in the monumental statue, a man atop of a muscular steed. To your right, a stony pathway leads away from the stat- uh, statuary onto a picturesque garden, where... Topiary bushes have been trimmed into whimsical shapes. 
If you inspect the statue of the man on the horse, go to story card four. If you walk towards the toplary bushes, go to story card 15. Wait, what about the hole? Uh, whenever he was going across the wall, he found the hole and got in. Oh. So mm-hmm. instead of climbing, we got in by finding a hole and squeezing okay. through. Yeah. So there's a statue in some sh- in do the we, bush. Do we inspect the statue or do we go walking towards the bushes? Bushes are creepy. But but the statue might... might be real and it pale us. I mean, that on the back of the card, I, I guess for people who can't see, I should say, on the back of the card, the statue is of a man on a steed holding a sword straight out. Sam is suggesting the bushes, and I do have to agree with Sam. Okay, let's look at bushes then. Okay. What card number is it? That would be story card number 15. And I read it this time, right? Yep. And then where do I go with the discard pile of this? You eat it, I told you. Oh. <laughs> I put it right over here. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. You merge into a clearing. Manicured bushes in the shapes of fish, swans, and rabbits perch atop a well-kept lawn. One larger shrub has been sculpted to look like an outstretched hand with his palm upturned. You see a black handle of some kind sticking out of one of the fingertips. A brick path winds through the shrubs and splits into two paths in the distance. One of these leads towards a rickety wooden gate flanked by a pair of stone angel statues. The other path leads into an open field across. You can see the front door of the man, man Marsden Manor. Optional free action to pull the handle out of the bush. Draw clue five. Do we want to do it? I think we. I would pull it in real life. I would do yeah. it, honestly. I mean, if I was walking past bushes and I was like, hey, there's a handle in there, I probably would pull it. Clue five. Clue oh, five. clue five. We're going to get shot, but let's do it. <laughs> it's going to like just be a gun. <laughs> Sam also is yelling to pull the handle, so. Also, I guess we should have been keeping in mind what we're trying to do here is just get inside the mansion. What if this unlocks the key? You're right. Clue five, shears. You pull a pair of garden shears from the shrub. They could help you pry something open. Keep this item. Finish story card 15. I feel like shears would not pry something open, but... I don't think they would either. All right. Cancel what you're trying to pry, I guess. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we're going to find someone, though, and we can just stab them. I hope so. All right. If you walk through the wooden gate, go to story card 21. If you head across the field towards the manor's front door, go to story card three. So do we want to literally go there or do we want to fuck around for a bit? I'm going to be honest. I don't trust open fields, especially when we're not supposed to be there. (laughs) I mean, the video gamer in me is saying explore everything before we move forward. But also, that's the idea is to get inside this mansion. (laughs) Sorry, Sam said the pry open a rib cage. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like you're gonna get shot if you're just like walking through the middle of a field. Yeah, if right? you're in the middle of a field, that seems sketchy. Sam says they're gonna arrow our face, which is probably true. Arrowed, arrowed. <laughs> All right, so what card do we need? We're not going through the middle field. Story card 21. Story card 21. There's also something really concerning about that being 21 and the other one being three. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have 21. Passing between a pair of stone angels, you enter an old family cemetery. There is a marble mausoleum in the center of the cemetery. A short set of stairs leads into its shadowy interior. Next to where you stand, a freshly dug grave yawns in the pale sunlight. It's unsettling to think of climbing into it, but you see something shiny embedded in the dirt walls. And uh, there's a picture on the back of a cemetery and a grave. 
uh, gives a couple choices. If you enter the mausoleum, because there's a mausoleum with its door open, go to story card five. If you climb into the open grave, go to story card 16. I do not trust climbing into a grave. Nor do I. But also just a mausoleum that just happens to be open in a place where you're supposedly by yourself. Let's be real, though. What What is scarier, going into a mausoleum or going into an open grave? Like, I don't, that's like dead bodies, like, in the grave, probably. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the open grave thing. I don't like either of these, if I'm being honest yeah. with you. We should have just, <laughs> I mean, weirdly door. enough, I think I'm, I'd weirdly enough be more comfortable with going into an open grave than I would be just going into some random mausoleum. You think you could get out of the grave, though? Think you could get out of the mausoleum? Yeah. What if the mausoleum has, like, a hidden doorway into the mansion? What if the open grave is just in the open? That's and terrifying. you can just jump out of a grave what if, and what move. if we're in there and someone throws dirt on us? You get out. Not if it's low enough. What if they How throw open a lot is of... this grave? What if it's ten feet open? It just says open. Yeah. There's a picture. I mean, most open graves go down <laughs> six feet. Can you climb six feet in dirt? Yes. I could I, can. I could do it. I could do it. I don't think I have the strength or the willpower. Also, I feel like <laughs> An open grave, you can walk up to the open grave and just look into it. Sam makes a really good point. Some people are 5'3", Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) I am some people. (laughs) Uh, But also just one of those, like, just a random open mausoleum. Someone closes the door on you, you're fucked. Someone could throw dirt on us in the grave, Robbie. Are you just expecting someone to sneak up on you with a backhoe and just dump the entire (laughs) grave worth of dirt on you? Yes, I expect that every day. I go to bed expecting. <laughs> That's that. one of my fears. <laughs> I think you underestimate how loud a backhoe is. I think you underestimate how how rational fears are. So here's Fair. the thing: there's something shiny in there, right? Yeah, it could be something cool. Could be not something cool. Could be a severed hand. Problem is, we don't actually know how deep the grave is. Right. I also don't know what's inside the mausoleum, which could literally be anything. Sam, yeah. Sam makes a point. We have garden shears that we can stab with. I think that is much more likely to be useful in a mausoleum than in a grave. It specifically said pry. Oh. We could pry open the doors if someone closes the it doors. It could pry something us. open. We, we could pry the mausoleum doors open, maybe. I feel like it'd be easier to pry open a grave than it would... Or, not a grave. Um, <laughs> a coffin than it would be to pry open a well, mausoleum I don't know. door. I don't think there's necessarily a coffin. We don't know. We don't we know. We just see something shiny. Yeah. I don't like looting corpses either. I'm going to be quite frank. There is something off about looting a corpse. I vote mausoleum. Yeah, I feel like I'm being outvoted, so yeah. we just might as well go to the mausoleum. All right, card five. <laughs> Sam agrees with the mausoleum choice, I guess. That's you, Robbie. Sam brought a bad point I didn't think about. Mausoleums are spookier. Well, <laughs> a mausoleum is basically a building of marble yeah. with a bunch of dead bodies inside Super of it. Super creepy. And yeah. orbs that fly and stab you in the eye, Yeah, as we learned from... Uh, Phantasm? Phantasm. I was yeah. going to say Pandorum, but definitely not. <laughs> not no. no, we did not learn that from that. <laughs> no, and, pad- and Pandorum crobe, or chrome uh, balls don't attach to your face and then drill a hole in the middle of it and suck your brain out. That definitely doesn't happen. All right, what's this card say, Robbie? Card says, the mausoleum interior feels musty and cool. Something is dripping from the ceiling oh. and landing uh, in the corner with a plink. You should have went in the grave. <laughs> Which is odd, given that it hasn't started raining yet. You also notice the mausoleum is bigger on the inside than on the outside. It's a chest. Yeah, it's, I was about to say that. <laughs> a stone sarcophagus lies between you and the center of the chamber with the word Mars- Marsden? Marsden. Marsden. 
carved into it. Marzipan. Marzipan. <laughs> Arrow! <laughs> Where's the Homestar Runner version of, of House of Danger? It appears the others have been in the or others have been in the mausoleum recently because you know the door was open. <laughs> that would be a good giveaway. Yeah. yeah. There's a freshly dug pit in the side of the, of the sarcophagus and an elaborate tunnel that has been dug into the uh, ground besides the nearby wall. You can see that the tunnel is lined with cement. Optional challenge: search around the sarcophagus. Are an optional challenge: remove the stone lid are uh, off the sarcophagus. I don't again like I feel like this is just a bad omen to like yeah, mess with with this it's uh stuff. if you win uh searching the sarcophagus draw clue number 23 if you lose raise the danger meter by 1 and you may try again I mean uh, we have a strength thing with the shears I was going to say if you remove the stone lid off the sarcophagus you draw clue 16 if you lose you range the danger meter by 2 I think we should pry the sarcophagus open <sighs> I don't trust it, but <laughs> and I don't trust prying it open either. I figure we well, should search around it before we pry it open. I mean, Dry does make a point of we have we have plus that... two roll on pry on prying. So no matter what, we're getting two. Because my thing is, I imagine we're not going to be able to pry it open if we search. Because of just how this game, how yeah, the limitations of how this game works, right? <laughs> I I think we try prying it open. Once again, I'm being outvoted, so yep, I guess we're sorry. prying it open. So that means uh, draw arm. Roll, right? Um, Got to do a roll? Yeah. Uh, you good? I was about to say, oh, yeah. it says if you climb into the pit, go to story card 16. If you travel through the, uh, through the tunnel, go to story card 28. But we're at the challenge part of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can use one challenge booster in a challenge. Before you roll, place the item you want to use in the challenge booster slot, which We're is doing it right, yeah. Yep, that thing. After you roll for the challenge, add the number on your challenge booster to your die roll to determine the final outcome. After the challenge, return the challenge booster to your inventory. Oh, wait, we could just use it however many times we want? Apparently. Huh. Warning, if you roll a one while using a challenge booster, it is discarded from the game. Okay. So, so if we roll a one, we break the shears. Yeah, yeah. Um, the danger meter is challenged, so we have to get at least a three, which I think is literally going to happen here. Remember, ones are permanent. Oh, right. Ones ones are bad. So if you roll a one, I'm punching you. Three. Three. All right. All right. Which so we, we got that. a five because it's a plus two. Yeah. So we win that. So what What card? Uh, draw clue number 16. Number 16. Sam says violence. Violence. <laughs> we we pried open a lid. I don't know if that really qualifies as violence. Oh, this says a whole bunch of things. Oh no. Um, bonus story choice. It tit. Oh, you should read it, Robbie. Okay. Actually. It tit. <laughs> yeah, it just says it tit. <laughs> <laughs> a singular tit. Bonus story choice. It takes our yeah. It takes some muscles, but you manage to remove the lid and are surprised to find. Not only that there is no body, but an opening to a secret passageway offered um, and offers yet another way out of the mausoleum. Place a new story choice or below, or below at the bottom of story card five. The option may be considered when you are ready to make your story choice. Okay, so story card five is the one we're reading, right? Yeah. 
All right. Okay. So, so yeah, it's basically, um, I guess to reread it, it appears that others have been at the mausoleum recently. There's a freshly dug pit on the side of the sarcophagus and an elaborate tunnel that has been dug into the ground besides and nearby the wall. You can see our, the tunnel is lined with cement or take the secret passageway. Okay, I don't trust the thing lined with cement because I feel like they're just going to pour cement and trap us in. Well, if it's lined with cement, or cement, that means that it's been there for a while. And it's more of like a permanent tunnel. Okay. We also did just find a secret tunnel in a yeah. sarcophagus, I guess. Yeah, which is kind of cool. It's a little Indiana Jonesy. Uh, what do you think? What do you Robbie? think, Robbie? Secret tunnel. <laughs> All right. Secret okay. tunnel. <laughs> what does it say we got to do? Sam also uh, draw- said secret. Sorry. Or take the secret passageway, draw clue number 24. Oh, this again. Add this to uh, chapter five as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Robert? I don't know why I call you that. I don't think that's... <laughs> it's technically right. You travel through the tunnel for what feels like forever. The light disappears and the tunnel eventually ends. You feel frightened and trapped. You want to run back and try the other route, our other route out of the mausoleum. Before you go, you feel around in the dark there's nothing in front of you or to your sides but you discover a mossy hatch or in a the tunnel ceiling you turn to, or turn the handle and the hatch opens to a grassy patch at the entrance of the hedge mage or at the yeah entrance of the hedge maid maze go to story card 12 okay all right my turn to read again This was a fun thing to prove I can read, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You proved it. I feel like I need more caffeine to be doing all this reading. (laughs) The hedge maze is massive. Its thick hedge walls are twice as tall as you, but don't seem stable enough to climb. So you'll have to solve this labyrinth the old-fashioned way. You take a deep breath (laughs) to steady your nerves and head through the maze entrance. All right, so we're at a a a fork, I guess. Okay. Uh, we can go left or we can go right. Isn't the thing you're always supposed to go left? Well, you just have to choose one. Yeah. Like when you're going through like a maze, the thing you're supposed to do is like always go left, right? Yeah, they say for, well, I guess it's a real life thing of like if you're stuck in a hedge mage, keep your, or keep your hand on the left side of the wall and just follow that and eventually you'll reach the exit. Does it matter if it's left or right? Like if you keep your hand on the right side of the wall, it would do the same thing. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you guys clearly believe left. I won't. I, won't I think we should go left. Okay. I mean, I'm left from real life so advice. it makes sense for me to say left. That's true. But left is the devil's hand. Ooh. Whatever that means. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we went left, so draw clue nine. Draw clue nine. Handing it to E. Him. You turn and fall a path deeper into the maze. You feel like you're going in the right direction. To go left or to go right? I mean, are we going to just... Let's keep going left. All right, Let's keep it. this left train rolling. Clue 11. It would be really funny if this was the way to solve it, Izzy. Yeah. <laughs> keep doing it. All right. You keep going and going. It seems like you just walked in a circle. What? No. We took two lefts. What do you mean we walked in a circle? <laughs> uh, raise the danger meter by two. Oh, man. And draw clue 12. Clue 12. There you go. <laughs> you feel like you're getting close to the end. What? Oh, that's weird. Do we go left or right? We just keep going left. All right. Draw Let's clue. follow the rule. 13. 
Clue 13? <laughs> how, how can you have it? Oh, you feel like you went in a circle. Oh, you're almost there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally, you see it. The end of the maze. Yeah. yeah. Is story card 18. All right. Yeah, Sam makes a good point. We went in a circle because we took three lefts. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> but somehow it got to the end. All right. No, left. <laughs> oh, left. <clears throat> you finally come to the end of the hedge maze. It exits towards a pool house. A short stone pedestal stands in front of you with a metal lockbox on top. Perhaps somebody wants to reward you for navigating that accursed maze, though the whole thing does seem suspicious. Looking toward the pool house, you see its door is barely hanging from its hinges. There's also a gate that leads, you assume, directly to the pool. <laughs> Sam says Resident Evil puzzle time. <laughs> <laughs> Optional free action is to see if the lockbox is open. You guys want to see if it's open? Sure. It's not really a bad thing. It doesn't seem like it would be bad. Yeah. Draw clue three, it says. Draw on the clue. It was Pandora's box. You unleashed all the demons. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, truck key. Not only is the lockbox open, but inside you find a key to a truck. Your psychic senses tell you this is an important item. <laughs> Keep this item. Move forward what two spaces on the sense? psychic scale. I feel like common sense would tell you that's an important item. Like, hey, cool. It's free car. <laughs> Finished story card 18. Uh, uh, uh. Free truck. All right, right so now we have cards. two options after the lockbox. Cancel the truck. <laughs> if you explore the pool house, go to story card 11. If you walk through the gate to check out the pool, go to story card 23. I feel like these are the same choice. One is going to the pool house, one is going to the pool. <laughs> I mean, I almost feel like there'd be more stuff worth looting in the pool house, but pool party. True. <laughs> I actually agree with the pool house thing. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, all oh, wait, right. Wait, Sam makes a really interesting point. Imagine leaving your vehicle key in a lockbox at the end of a maze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Resident Evil is yeah. shit. This fucking Resident Evil is all hell. Um, but yeah, we can pool party or pool housey. Pool house. All right. Explore the pool house. Go to story card eleven. These are in a way crazy order. Jeez. Choose your own adventure. There you go, Robbie. Right. Sam says, take a dip, but we did not go to the pool. Yeah, we didn't go to the pool. You can tell that the pool house was once quite luxurious. It contains half a dozen private rooms with showers, as well as an ornate mahogany bar in the common area. Let's take a shower. (laughs) (laughs) And smell the nice mahogany. Mm. It must have been fun, fun to hang out in this place in its glory days. Those thoughts fade as the sound of disturbance erupt from the top of a gazebo in the distance, and you now hear the lone violin playing a soothing melody. Okay. (laughs) If you investigate the gazebo, go to story card nine. If you follow the sound of the violin, go to story card 17. You can't follow the music, right? That's clearly Death Trap. That's usually how you die in movies, right? Usually, yeah. Like, huh, someone's playing music. I should go investigate. And then knife to the back in the neck. Sam says violin, but I gotta disagree with you here, Sam. Re- That's like sure death, right? I'm hard disagreeing on violin. To be fair, to be fair, it seems pretty. It seems pretty murder mystery to die at a gazebo. Also, yeah, but at least you're dying in a cool location. Like, what horror game have you been playing to where you hear violin and you're like, "That's always a good thing." 
Castlevania? It's not a horror game. Mm, it's horror adjacent. Sure, but I wouldn't call it a horror game. Nor would I. I'd call it a horror aesthetic, maybe. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's very aesthetically horror-ish. Um, <laughs> other than that, like, in a Resident Evil game, you hear music and you follow it. Like, worst case scenario, you meet a future bad guy. Our but best also case scenario. remember, this place is haunted. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's a also problem. a place where you're supposed to be by yourself and you hear someone playing violin. Yeah. See, yeah. We got we're going on a gazebo, okay. I think. So yeah. Go investigate investigate the gazebo. Story card nine. Story card nine. There you go. E. It's wake. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I keep yawning and it's causing you guys to yawn. I haven't yawned once. You sprint to the gazebo. We're really gunning for it, apparently. <laughs> Practically pushed along by the winds. A light sprinkling of rain splatters the ground as you run. You make it to the shelter of a structure, and mayhem occurring above you on the roof increases tensely. Who is up there? What are they doing, you wonder? I feel like it's the rain. You notice a driveway a driveway Ooh. about 20 feet away. Uh, man, It's flooding, apparently. Oh, yeah. This picture. According to the picture on that oh, card. Yep. So if you climb to the top, go to story card 11. Or if you run to the driveway, story card. We got the truckies. We, we got, got the truckies. Right? We got we got we got I would not get on the roof of a raining thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, if it's flooding. <laughs> yeah, but imagine how you could just drive a truck. Through a flood? Yeah. Maybe they got the aquatic wheels on. <laughs> <laughs> it turns into a boat. Um... I'm not a fan of either of these options. I'm going to leave it up to someone else. <laughs> I guess Sam makes a good point. Was it the goal to get into the house? What are we doing? Yeah, that was Getting the distracted. goal. Uh, I, I'm just like, there might be something cool in the truck. And we did get the truck keys. Like, I, I'm assuming there's a truck in the driveway, I guess. Yeah, but we're like, assuming that, I suppose. Um, I don't know, to get out of the rain, do we run to the driveway or do we climb on top of the gazebo? Is that... Uh, I mean... If it's raining heavily on top of oh, the gazebo. Oh, wait, wait, I forgot about something. Hang on. Are we level two or higher on the psychic scale? We are. Yes. All right, we got to draw clue no, 27. No, 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 we're level one. On the psychic scale? Yeah, because level one. Oh, yeah. No, oh, level one yeah. goes to five, and we're at five. All right, never oh. mind, never mind. Oh, no. We almost did it. All right, what are you thinking? Uh, the It is slippery. I feel like being on top of a building, not great when it's raining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially gazebos so, that got pointy buildings heads. That's true. I've never climbed on a gazebo because it seems hard. So probably best just to go for the driveway then. I mean, that's not accidentally break our neck trying to climb a gazebo. (laughs) That's what I would do. All right. Story card 30. Is that the last card? It is. Ooh, fancy. Oh, wow. You win. Chapter one, goal achieved. What? Hooray. You appear in a driveway, which leads you to the mansion's entrance. (laughs) On the door is a plaque that reads Marsden on a large crystal door knocker, which seems newer than everything else on the front of the building. You knock loudly many times, but there is no answer. The storm is really picking up now. You try the doorknob and are surprised to find that the door is unlocked. You've been lucky enough so far, but you wonder if you've missed something. Before you enter the house, you look back. You can see a few clear paths. One leads towards a statuary, another to a small cemetery. Two more paths stretch out toward a watery ditch with a gate and the house's luxurious pool. You could go back to explore if you want. 
There are items in this chapter that will be useful later in the story. You can take a risk and go back for any you missed by following the choices below. Head to the statuary, raise danger meter by two and go to story card four. Head to the cemetery, raise danger meter by two and go to the story card 21. If you head to the ditch, raise danger card meter by two and go to story card 26. If you head to the pool, raise danger card meter by two and go to the story card 23. Otherwise, we already checked the pool. We did check the pool, and we have been to the cemetery already. Yeah, right. So, like, the statuary is the main thing that we haven't done. Yeah. Were we at the statue? No. We we decided not to. Oh, you decided to go. To, we decided to go to the graveyard instead. Yeah. So at the same time, none of those sound like a truck. None of those do sound like a truck. The truck might be something to like way later on that will maybe help us. Funny. That's how we escaped the final chapter. Yeah. <laughs> That would suck. Like that would be like some Lucas Arc shit. Like, oh, sorry, you didn't get the truck key. I think we should look at the statue. Okay, I'm worried about like dying. <laughs> Me too. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's try it. I'm Why curious if it's going to suspiciously stop raining. <laughs> uh, I think uh, we have to find our way back after that, don't we? I think. Yeah. I mean, we know where to go. I guess ultimately. Uh, yeah, we just need to go to that clearing. There's story card four, Robbie. Okay. Going to the statuary. The horseman is a dashing, bearded Civil War soldier. His brawn face stoic. <laughs> he holds out a cavalry saber towards the brooding sky. The sword's edge glints in the weak sunlight that penetrates the thick clouds above. The sword almost looks new, as the base of the statue is a uh, plaque that proclaims this is a memorial to Henry Marston. The plaque reads, Henry Marston. Born 1839, died 1887. General in the um, in the Union Army during the Civil War, severely wounded at the Battle of Shiloh in 1862. Appointed warden of Hedgebrook Prison in 1880. To your left is an entrance to the hedge maze. To your right is a graying picket fence with a rickety wooden gate. You can see two stone angel statues are beyond them, a cemetery. So optional challenge is search the monument base or um, optional challenge, climb the statue to examine the saber. Uh, I feel like climbing a statue is not a good idea. It seems dangerous, but then you get a saber. That's assuming it's real. <laughs> Are you considering it's newer than everything else? It did say that the saber looked new. That's true. Get, to the rest of the these are both optional too, so it's not like we can only do one in a yeah. lot of that. Or you can enter the hedge maze, which we've already been there. Or yeah, you can go visit the cemetery, that. which we've done that. We've already done that. I mean, saber, I guess. Well, there was the first option. Read what was that? that? Uh, search the monument base. Like that seems pretty easy. I guess you might find another secret tunnel. Yeah. I guess let's do that. Okay. Uh, that one is draw clue eighteen. Oh, clue. Do we already do that one? Nope. Oh, e. Oh, wait. No, Robbie. Still no. Robbie. Yeah, yeah, these are the mini. Yeah, yeah. Bonus story choice. When you invertedly press a hidden switch, the statue slides to one side, revealing a cement passage. <laughs> Place the our uh, new story choice below at the bottom of the story card four. This option may be considered when you are ready to make your story choice. You did, in fact, so, find a secret tunnel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So you can enter the hedge mage, which we've done. Or you can visit the cemetery, which you've also done. Or, if you want to see where the hidden passage leads, go to story card 28. And we still can steal the saber if we want to try that, because that's still optional, right? I believe so. I don't see why it wouldn't be. 
I think that's going to be a roll, though. Probably would be a roll. Yeah, because it has a little climbing guy next to it. Yeah, that would definitely be a roll. How roll? How lucky are you, Robbie? Or eh? I, I don't know why Robbie. I was looking at your little but... climbing guy. Yeah, climbing. That's a different. That's a challenge type. Yeah, we don't have a challenge booster for that though. But we just have to get three or higher. Or do we have to get higher? Well, the three? danger meter went up too. Oh shoot! It's four now. Yeah, it's at four. We have water, but we should probably save that. <laughs> What's the water do? It lowers danger meter. Any time to lower danger meter by three. Wow, that's a lot. But I feel like that's like when we're already at six. And yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like you want it before you're at six because like it would make your rolls easier before then. Yeah. I mean, also, it's one of those things we, like if the danger meter gets high enough, it starts hitting your psychic score. Yeah, it does. If we use it now, it goes down to three. But I feel is, like we should probably save that. Yeah, until it's like bad, bad. Not even until it's bad, bad. We're on chapter one. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's let's try getting the saber. Okay. Okay. What was the... Oh, so we have to do four or higher, Robbie. Yeah. So when you draw clue two, you lose your range of danger meter by two. Oof. It says you may try again, though. Of course. Yeah, but we, could, yeah. we just keep raising it. Yeah, hey, five. got a five. What's it say? Uh, draw, claw num- draw clue number two. There you go, Robbie sword it's neat cavalry saber the <laughs> saber comes lo- loose in your hand it's heavy and quite sharp your psychic sense tell you that this is an important item keep this item move forward two spaces on the psychic scale and finish story card four if only we did that earlier yeah so yeah now our next thing is you enter the hedge maid maze or uh, you visit the cemetery or you want to see where the hidden passage leads to as well yeah, yeah, hidden passage so, that'll be story card 28 Oh, so we're getting close to two hours. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're almost there. You creep through the darkness and find the cement walls and uh, the natural stone and earth begin. Occasional vents to the surface let you let in just barely enough light to see by. Head of you glimpse the warm firelight of torches. Come to a fork in the road in the tunnel lit by a dance in flames. One tunnel descends deeper and is half filled with water. You can swim through it, but you can't see where the tunnel leads or how far it goes. Another one looks caved in. Tiny clumps of earth periodically fall from the ceiling as you approach this tunnel. Several of these sports that hold the wall have gaping cracks in them. These are terrible. Neither of these sound good, yeah. So we can either go to water or the collapsed tunnel. Yeah, so you can either die in a tunnel collapse or you can drown. Is the danger of both of those. I don't like the tunnel collapse thing. That seems more dangerous, like, ultimately speaking. I mean, it's a slower death than drowning. Yeah. Why do we have to drown? Like, what if we're good swimmers? Yeah, I would vote swim. Out of these two, I would vote swim. What do you think, Robbie? It's fifty-fifty. I think in real life, it probably would be like, oh, it's not going to collapse. I'll be fine. But in this case, <laughs> probably swimming. Tiny clumps of earth periodically fall from the ceiling, and there's huge gaps in the supports. You would say that's ah, probably fine. Yeah, <laughs> as long as I don't touch the supports, I should be fine. Oh my god, I I don't know. Um, also. Hear me out. Alligators. Let's let standing <laughs> water? Let's yes. let Sam decide this one, Sam. Yeah, Sam, it's up to you. Pressure's Possib- on. Possible alligator water or cave-in? The crocodiles are more likely than alligators. What's the difference, though? One has a V-shaped n- nose and the other has a U-shaped nose. Is there actually a difference? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's there's difference. many differences between oh. crocodiles and alligators. Oh. Also, crocodiles are smaller. Well, then. See? So we could wrestle a crocodile, probably. We could probably yeah. wrestle a crocodile. So, 
Sam's not answering. Oh, there it goes. Um, water will be gross and dangerous, I'm sure, she says. Uh, but so is a cave-in. Cave-in is also gross. Not, I don't, not really gross. Not gross, just dangerous, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's gross if there's blood splatter all over the rocks. Gotta make the decision fast, Sam. We have like four minutes here. And Sam ran. She ran so far away. Not the water. Okay. Okay. So card 16. Card 16? Did we do that? Let's see if we If did. we did that, I feel like we could just say we did the same path and got to the end. We did not yet. Okay. All right. Card 16. Without warning, the earthen walls begin to collapse around you, and before you can react, you are up to your waist in dirt. You writhe and twist, trying to escape, but it only causes more soil to cascade down. Soon, it's up to your shoulders, then your neck, then your cheeks. You struggle to spit the soil out as it fills your mouth, but within moments, you are fully buried. You can only see the dark earth in front of your eyes. Your hand closes around the metal disc. Perhaps a coin? You'll never know. Though as the soil fills your lungs and the world wavers and goes gray before finally turning black. The end. Move back one space on the psychic scale and return to the previous card. All right, so okay, the water. So, water. so we died. <laughs> yep, water. something. Uh, Water-filled tunnel, story card 22. Also, I feel like that punishment wasn't that bad. Not terrible. For dying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 22. Robbie, there you go. Okay. Mustering all the courage you can, you dive into the watery tunnel. A there... giant crocodile comes out. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Kraken. Um, there is just enough room for uh, in the tunnel above arm um, the water for you to lift your head between the arm. Uh, yeah, between strokes to take a breath. Eventually, the tunnel drops lower and lower until it's completely submerged underwater. You hold your breath, dive down, look around. After about uh, thirty feet, the tunnel opens into a bigger body of water, a pond or pool with the arm uh, <laughs> the sunlight beaming into it. You pop up for air. Well, I've come this far. You think you're ready to cha- uh, chance it? Take a, a deep breath, dive back down. You get 10 feet in, 15 are in, 25 feet in. Just as you're about to exit are the underwater tunnel, something tugs at your leg. You can't tell whether it's an animal or if you're are caught in an underwater vine. Crocodile! Required challenge, fight to escape. We, or if you win, draw clue 20. Lose, rain, raise the danger meter uh, by four and try again. Jesus. Well, we have to fight. Are we using the saber? Wait, what What kind of... Uh, it's a fist. Okay, so let's use the saber. That's plus two. The knife is only plus one. All right, saber. We're using that. That'll give us plus two. Well, if Robbie rolls a one. Oh, that'll suck. That'll really suck, and I'll have to roll again. Five. Again. Oh, we super succeed. Yeah. All right. What okay, card? So, uh, clue 20. Clue 20. E. No, it's Robbie. Oh, right. The thing, whatever it is, wraps more tightly around your leg. It's pulling you down. Another tendril, or tentacle, slide, or slides around your neck. You pry it off with the last of your strength. You give a powerful kick. You're free. Just like that, the thing is gone. You emerge in, or into a swimming pool with a luscious pool house next to it. Uh, lower your danger meter by two Yo. and go to story card number 23, which we've already done this with the pool, I think. 23? Just check if it's in there. Yeah. If it's not in there, well, we it's done the pool it. house and not the pool. It's in there. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's obvious that no one has cleaned this pool in ages. <laughs> the water is a murky green and the surface is littered with leaves and branches. Ripples pulse out for, from the center of the pool. Out of nowhere, you hear a commotion. You look around and wonder if it's someone coming from inside the pool house. 
then you see movement on top of the gazebo in the distance. <laughs> Somewhere or something is engaged in a struggle up there. Maybe they need your help. Then again, if you offer up assistance, you might end up needing help yourself. Bum, bum, bum. We have an optional challenge. Uh, we can investigate the ripples in the pool. I feel like we just were the ripples in the yeah. pool. Yeah. But uh, do we want to try that? Do we want to try that? Is that going to be another roll? That will definitely roll, be another roll, yeah. But like, yeah. we went down, we're only rolling three. Yeah, we only got to get threes. It's an eyeball. Do we have an eyeball? We don't have an eyeball. Okay. We have, a fi- we have two fists and an arm. What are we uh, thinking? I mean, danger meter is pretty low. Yeah, like, there's not too much issue. I'm okay with trying, or taking a look. All right, All roll right. that die. Four. We did it. Uh, win lower danger meter by two. Awesome. And Our danger meter is now at its lowest level. And draw clue eight. Awesome. Sam's saying stuff. I can't see it. I'll look it up here. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of text. Sam is saying bunch of urbexers. Oh, we're a bunch of urbexers. And then she said, yay. <laughs> All right. You walk down the steps into the water and see what's making a strange making the waves a strange wearing metal sphere <gasps> it's there the metal sphere <laughs> this is just fantastic also hi. hi sam hi Sa- oh hey it's sam boys <laughs> hey sam boys what's up uh, we, you invited yeah. me to be a co-host so uh, you're literally always fair. invited to be a co-host here i am not all last right. time thanks okay this, continue the sphere vibrates in our hand. There are two buttons on it. It's a fidget cube, I guess. <laughs> you press you press one. No, why is this not an option? You just press one. Nothing happens. You press the other and the sphere vibrates. Instinctively, you press both buttons at the same time. The sphere stops moving and begins to glow. Draw clue 21. This is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Clue 21. There you go. E. Oh, yeah. Whirring metal sphere. Their psychic sense tells you this is an important item. Keep this item. Move forward three spaces on the psychic scale. Nice. So we keep this. We are now level nine on the psychic scale out of 25. No, we're level we're, two. We're level two. But oh, we're level two. We have nine experience. Nine experience in it. And we have literally, it looks like the fucking phantasm ball, Sam, on this card. <laughs> All right. Nice. So... <laughs> Uh, I think we're actually hitting where we were because our options are going to the pool house or going to the gazebo. Um, oh, yeah. We didn't investigate the pool house, did we? we no, did? we didn't. Because uh, it was the pool or the pool house and went to the pool house. Oh, yeah. And then we went out to Excuse a gazebo. So, like, oh, right. Inside the pool house, there was that violin. Yeah, it was either follow the oh, violin yeah. or follow the gazebo. I still don't trust the violin. I don't trust it either. I think that's progress. That would be progress in any video game. We Going already found progress, though. Yeah, we, we know how to finish this chapter right now. It'll be more progress. <laughs> I mean, it counts It'll on how long you want this second <laughs> half of the live cast to Six last. minutes, like I joked? <laughs> or... <laughs> so I, the It'll real be an op- optional boss. The real option right now is do we want to see what the hell's on top of the gazebo, or do we want to See, here's what the violin thing is. Yeah. Gazebo seems super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Climbing on top of that on a rainstorm. Also, earlier, yeah. uh, apparently there's something fighting on top of it. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that at all. Let's go to the violin. Fuck it. Full house. Okay. 
right. Which means you got to go to the discard uh, pile 11. and find that. Card 11? Unless there's like weird alternate versions of cards, but... That's honestly a possibility, but I think we had 11. No? Check huh? the thing. Maybe there is alternate versions. That that actually improves a lot, if that's true. Oh, nope. There's not 11 here. Never mind. There's no 11. Uh, it must be in the discard, and I just I might have ate it. that one. 16, 28, 4, oh, there it is. There's 11. Okay. I guess, do you want me to keep reading? Well, I guess I'm not really reading anything. So yeah, Lone Violin, do we want to do that? Yeah. 17. 17. It's playing uh, in the Hall of the Mountain King. You move further and further toward the hypnotic sound of the distant violin, which is oddly calming and uplifting. Even as the winds increase around you, you notice there is a driveway up in the distance. But before you get there, you arrive at a horse stable with an open gate. Inside, sitting on a stool, is the source of the violin music. A chimpanzee playing his heart out. What? A soulful expression on his face. The chimp is fully committed to the music. You have never heard such an emotional performance. It's, it's beautiful. Okay, so now it's just, <laughs> now it's just like a, a Metal thing. Gear Solid. There's a picture on this card of a monkey playing chimpanzee. What? <laughs> or a, a chimpanzee, chimpanzee playing violin. <laughs> you know what I meant. A monkey playing chimpanzee. Can we, like, <laughs> applaud the chimpanzee? Is that an option? Let's see. If you leave the stable and run to the driveway, go to story card 30. If you tiptoe through the gate to experience the full power of the performance, go to story card 24. We, I gotta know. We gotta, have to know, yeah, right? We have to do 24 24 we Plus got again, it. 30 was the last one so we yeah if we the... sneak in there we're full hito kojima at this hito hideo sure. hideo <laughs> there you go robbie card 24 you <laughs> tiptoe through the monk killer sorry <laughs> says what monk killer <laughs> <laughs> you tiptoe through the open gate eager to hear the finale uh, of the chimps violin piece quietly quietly with your third step, you trigger a motion sensor. What? Oh, no! <laughs> it is Metal Gear. <laughs> Light that completely illuminates the interior of the building. Apparently, there is no uh, there is no stable. It's a kennel. Twenty Doberman Pinchers are were peacefully enjoying the concert, but now glare at you with anger in their eyes. The chimp frowns and slowly points his violin bow towards you. The Dobermans <laughs> respond and rush attack you, and then are uh, eat you alive. The last thing you see is the chimpanzee violinist laughing at your fate. So embarrassing. And yep, the picture on the back is a chimpanzee pointing a violin bow at you while Doberman Pinchers are are running towards you. As you're eaten alive, basically. Right. Move back one space on the psychic scale and return to story uh, card 17. Well, that just lets us go back to the driveway, I guess. Yeah, yeah, which takes us to 30. Which takes us to the yeah, front of the door. Yeah. So we can like try to explore more, I guess, if we really want to. We could explore the ditch because we haven't gone to the ditch. If we really wanted to. Sam? What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I think we should explore that. Wasn't there like something in there? In the ditch? We, no, I, don't I think know. we just completely avoided that. Yeah, ditch. we just completely avoided that. All right. Well, the ditch. You can always go check the open grave, too. Yeah, yeah but I still don't, I don't trust that. that I feel like that's an instant lose. Yeah. Which uh, we were correct that the violins know. were an instant lose, but. Yeah, but not in a way that we thought. No, yeah. I wasn't <laughs> expecting a chimpanzee <laughs> that was calming Doberman Pinchers. <laughs> that, was, that was great. That was really weird. Actually. 
All right. So that was really weird in a fantastic way. Head to the ditch, raise danger car, raise danger meter by two. I see this picture dry. It's <laughs> really weird. So silly. Um, all right. Story card 26. I think that's E now, right? Yeah. Is Robbie read our demise? There you go. You land in the ditch, splashing a shallow, frigid water. At this point, you notice a large grate behind you, which partially blocks the entrance to a dark cement culvert and the water flow that the water flows into. If you bent over, you could walk over the lower rim of the grate and enter the covert. You then see a small piece of paper drifting by you in the water. You might be able to grab it if you act fast. Do you want to try to grab it? I mean, the paper says yeah. they yeah. all float. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's a it's just a challenge. So, all right. Do we have any cars that help it? It's I. Okay, so no. All right. One. Right, messed well, up. we got a one. Uh, all right, lose. Raise danger meter by one. All right. Do you want to try again? Somebody else roll if we do. I'll give it a shot. Robbie's giving it a shot. I've had a pretty good luck with rolling so far tonight. Four. Robbie, four. four. We did we it. We did it. All right. Draw clue 19. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hedge Reach map. <laughs> Could have used that earlier. Is there anything cool in the hedge maze? No, it's just how do you exit? Oh, really? We were supposed to go left, right, left, apparently. Oh. Which makes sense now because we went left, left, left and right. got yeah. lost for a little while uh, there. So we get one space on the psychic scale, though. Oh, cool. So, so we get that neat. back. Yay. It says we could. Uh, maybe it'll come back in a later ma- yeah. challenge. Just hold so on to might it. as well keep it. Um. All right, so along the ditch is Dusty Path, which leads to the hedge base. Um, if we want, we can el- enter that culvert thing, which, I mean, the other option is to go back in the hedge maze. So. I guess enter the culvert. Yeah, 28. We might not want to keep like going back yeah. in the future. Yeah, because it like... seems to... Oh, 28. We have already gotten 28, apparently. What? What was that, then? Well, let me look at our discard pile and find out. Uh, creep through the darkness, cement walls. Oh, that was uh, a mausoleum. watery filled yeah. tunnel or collapsed. All right, tunnel. I'm going to say we're done then, right? Yeah, we've hit the end of this chapter. We've, we've, we get back to, to card 30 and we win. Yeah, we did the hedge maze again. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We yep. did it. All right. Well, that is fun, but yeah, yeah, in the future, we probably should avoid exploring too too much yeah unless it's like something that we went through and we didn't like do any of the things yeah but like yeah i feel like this it's kind of a risk and reward system when you explore for sure i don't know i mean it's the early chapters i imagine later ones might have harsher uh issues but like we didn't really have much risk because you gained more psychic energy from good stuff than lost yeah i mean we have like a ton of cards at the end of this still and I feel like we're in a good place actually yeah. for the next chapter. Uh we're gonna get to the end. It's like, did you find the golden tooth? Yeah. <laughs> if but. not, then oh no. All right. Yeah, that was a fun little extra 15-ish minutes. Yeah. Um yeah. Sam got to talk. Yeah, we gotta hear a Sam voice for two seconds. Yeah. Yay! Yay, Yay Sam voice. <laughs> yeah. Um 
do you want to do the exit music again or is it not really yeah let's uh, sign off all right thanks everyone for listening uh our live shows are going to be on a little hiatus for a bit but next year we'll come back full swinging with chapter two yeah and well, more of the night of yeah and whatever else is going on yeah and robbie in uh dry show and the next show and the next show and the next show and the next show whenever we come back i will have full opinions on hawkeye because that the whole the whole season will be out i sure won't <laughs> and maybe it will be far enough past where i can talk about some spoilers for some stuff Ooh, so we'll see yeah we'll see what robbie right. why don't you take us out of here so considering what time of year it is if you're out and about in the holiday seasons make sure to be safe make sure to you know spend some time with loved ones safe travels uh, if you're going to be in public spaces, make sure to still wear a mask, stay six feet apart, get vaccinated if you can. But if not, make sure to stay home, stay alone, or stay together just and stay alive. <laughs> Hope you guys have a happy holidays. And whether this is the very first time you listen to us or you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you, E. Yeah. Thank you, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody out there listening. Hope you have a happy holiday, whatever holiday that may be. Um. Hug your loved ones. Do some hugging uh, if they're vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, just be safe. All part out of being safe. Yeah. Yeah. Be safe out there. Uh, we'll talk to you guys in the new year. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Pasta, pasta.